0: It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as Obi-Wan did. There
1: is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. You do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No.
2: Come on, everybody. Come on, Who was that?
1: That was Benjamin, the force of evil.
3: I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of dungeons and dragons.
4: in 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of March, in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker of this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy and amusements of all varieties, manners, matters, fashion, shapes, and forms, and so forth. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970, 503 733 2970 503. It is Tuesday, and welcome to day twelve. We'd like to uh, get on board today with your comments, questions, whatever it is you might have, recipes, observations, ruminations, rants, greeds, ideological or otherwise. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733 2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or what Mr. Malbert would call the absurd. Uh, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickhemerson.com. Rick at rickhemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. And uh... so forth. All right. Here's what's coming up today. Cena radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today from the Hill. Uh, We'll also talk to Cena radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. And uh, we will talk. No Amanda Moyer, though, right?
0: No, Amanda Moore. I'm hearing. I'm waiting to hear back. That's unfortunate.
4: Because you know she's covering Rob Blagojevich. Who apparently is writing a book. <gasps> Did you see the thing about Joe the Plumber? No. Oh wow. Okay. I got to talk I about that. Something
0: about a Rob Blagojevich.
4: Joe oh, Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Joe the Plumber and Rob Blagojevich all at once because they have more in common than you might imagine. Sarah Dillon. All right. Uh, so Steve Castevamp, James Roop will join us today from Los Angeles. And so forth. Uh, later on, for the new segment of the program, we'll be joined by our good friend Don Taylor, who we saw last night at Watchmen, which we saw uh, last night. So we'll talk about Watchmen. It'll be uh, spoiler law free, more or less. I mean, if, if we're ever going to well, approach, there's
0: nothing, there's nothing in the movie that wasn't in the book.
4: Really? You want to stick with that? <laughs> really? Do you want to keep? Do you want to keep saying that? Why don't you? Uh, would you like to retract that? Gonna...
0: I'll retract it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really know, like spoiler. So are we gonna be allowed to talk about it at all?
4: Well, here's the thing. When you say allowed, do you mean like are we are we free to do so? Yeah. Sure. I didn't sign anything. Talk about who comes out. F that. I saw it last night. Now here, in terms of spoilers, though, we will give people. We need a spoiler Ample. warning.
0: Okay.
4: Can you find a uh, Sarah? Can you find this? Find this. Klaxon. K L A X O N. Okay. Find a klaxon sound, and we'll make that our spoiler alert. Because I, I and I don't want to be a jerk about it. I honestly, you know, we sincerely don't wish to ruin it. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, and I and I'm, I'm not being snarky. But well, then about again, that. I got I emails
0: mean, from people who are like, "I'm powering through the book tonight, so that way I can hear you guys talk about it tomorrow." Yeah,
4: I mean, it's because there's that school of thought that says, "Well, the book is 23 years old." Twenty-three. Uh, so, you know, like, who cares if you're spoiling it? And then there's people who are like, well, f that. I haven't read it yet, or I just started reading it. I mean, because oh, look, here's my full uh, geek disclosure. I mean, I didn't read it till last year. So uh, I didn't finish
0: reading it until 5:45 last night.
4: Yeah. So I mean, I'm not going to be like, no, I'm an old school. Why I read the book a thousand times in high school. No, didn't happen. So I read it last year a couple times, and and loved it quite a bit. Uh, it's it a great book. And I say, uh, irritating geeks everywhere with my understanding. But It's quite a book. It's real. It's something. It's like that guy, that used car dealer I saw interview Stephen Hawking, or introduce Stephen Hawking on stage in Utah one time, and he goes, he's a pretty bright guy. Yeah, that Watchman, It's some good reading. Uh, I mean, it's, it really is it's a great, It's a, it, not just a great comic book, it really is a great book, and I think, I think Time Magazine actually called it one of the 100 best novels of the 20th century, which, yeah, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's, it is fantastic. The movie is altogether different. Uh, it's just a different animal, but um, anyway, that being said, I know there's a lot of people who haven't read Watchmen, or who are reading it in preparation uh, for the film, or who just don't, you know, who maybe aren't going to read the book, but just don't want to know anything about the movie. So we will come up with some sort of a, um, an alarm, an alert, an indicator uh, when spoilers might be forthcoming, because Don Taylor's going to be uh, here later on, and Don was there last night, Don saw it, and uh, so we'll talk more about it here in a second. Uh, let's see, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com will join us today as well, and uh, so forth. Plus, let's see, I don't have my giveaway sheet, Richie, am I interrupting your Facebook session? Uh, okay. Uh, could you find our uh, giveaway sheet for today? I know we're giving away the My Two Dads thing. I want to make sure that it's uh, it's not more than that. And plus, I need. Uh, I want to make sure I get the copy points on that. After all, it is My Two Dads. Okay. Thank you. If you could rustle it up, that'd be great. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, we're going to be giving away My Two Dads, the complete first season on DVD to one random on-air caller today, which is pretty fantastic. And here's the thing, just like a little FYI for me to you. If you win that My Two Dads, the complete first season, you might get it home and find out that it's open, because that means I took it home and watched it. It's like we were giving away the Sports Night Collector's Edition on DVD or whatever, the, the whole series. And somebody got there, got an open sports night, and if you wonder why that was, I thought about putting a little note inside. Sorry, it's open. I was watching it, Rick. But then I thought that might be creepy. I thought it might be That's like coming like home. And, really? I thought it might be like you come home and somebody's gone through your under things, but they left a note apologizing. So in any event, um, so my two dads, the complete first season on DVD with Paul Reiser, Greg Evigan, and uh, that chick from Step by Step. Uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be giving that away at some point today to wear a random on air caller. Plus, uh, plus more. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'll be taking your calls here in the opening segment. And by the way, uh, yesterday in the opening segment, of yesterday I let Sarah choose between two questions to which we needed the answer, uh, and you chose question number one, which was yes, the Juno one. Can you or can you not drive into Juno? Pardon me. <coughs> Can you or can you not drive into Juneau, Alaska? Because we always say that you can't drive there. You've got to fly in, and it's isolated, and it's whatever. And by the way, we spent like a good 10 minutes talking about it, including a guy who lives there, uh, who, you know, in his career, you know his job is just taking sort of pasty suburban people on these sort of nature expeditions because they want to go rough it for a while. They want to go live out their John Krakauer fantasies. And that guy, like flat out said, he's, he's like, the, the highway ends 40 miles before you get to Alaska, before you get to Juneau, and then you've just got you to take a light plane in the rest of the way. Which did not stop people from then sending emails through the rest of the program saying, no, 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 you can absolutely, here's a picture of the the Google page telling you so. Here's a picture of MapQuest.com explaining how you can drive in. Maybe you're right, maybe you're not. We're going to accept as gospel right now the fact that you cannot drive into Juno, And I'm just going to disregard any evidence that doesn't fit with my already uh, established belief. I mean, that seems to work for a lot of other people, right? I'll just pick a belief system, and then I will ignore any evidence that disproves it. I, for one, do not believe you can drive into Genoa. That's what I'm saying, Sarah. And if two of the three of us believe it, it's got to be true. Exactly. There you go. Uh, so we'll do the second of those two questions, maybe in this first segment. It's sort of a Mythbusters-style question, but I don't believe they've ever addressed it. I don't think it's anything they've talked about. So we have a MythBuster-style question we'll get to here in just a few. Uh, In any event, it is 503-733-2970. We'll get to some of these emails here in a moment, and uh, let's start off with this mystery call. I have no idea who it is, what they're calling about. I have no idea whether or not there's even anybody on the line. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, being the first call of the day, setting the stage for the whole day. Go.
5: Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? So, some guy on the radio last week was telling me that Watchmen was not like ridiculously overbooked. Yeah, I was one of the fifty or sixty people that got sent home last night.
4: I'm so glad that I took this call. So, <laughs> oh, can man. I just let me just before we talk was, about this? Oh, so bummed about that, bro. Before I before we address this, because don't 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 think that I'm just brushing you off. Before we address no, this, let me just say, just now, if we could rewind the camera of life, as my hot friend uh, Audrey used to call it. Mm. Reaching for the phone just now, and then pressing the button to pick up your call, I suddenly realized before I even answered the call, before I even picked up this phone call just now from you, sir, I just knew in my heart this is what this call was going to be about. I just knew it. I knew it like I knew my own name. I'm like, this guy's going to talk about the crowd so last night. And fiber you're being right. I just knew it. It's like in the half a second between pressing the button and the call connecting and you beginning to speak... I suddenly knew like the back of my hand, uh, like one knows the lyrics of a popular uh, song. I knew what you were going to be talking about. So let me just get this out of the way right now because I've been answering emails about this this morning. So okay. we, and, and by and by we I mean CBS, because it, it was a kind of a, a joint joint between the, us and uh, our good friends at KUFO. So we were told all last week by everybody involved at the, uh, the with the Watchmen screening. Everybody who was showing it, everybody who was bringing the screening to town, everybody who was, I don't know if it was the theater people themselves, every single person, though, outside of CBS, who was kind of responsible for bringing us this screening and helping us put it together... Every single one of them told us the same thing. They said, no, 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 this isn't going to be like all those other screenings where there's only 300 seats, but they give away 800 tickets, and then you've got to stand outside in the line, and then like a jackass, you don't get in. Right. This isn't going to be like that. There's only going to be as many tickets, as there are seats. And so we foolishly believed them. And so we went on the air, and by okay. we, I mean me, in this case. I will take the blame for this. I, Rick Emerson, the man on the microphone, I went on uh, the mic all last week, and I said, hey, by the way, This isn't going to be one of those screenings where you get a ticket or you win it from some jackass on the radio and then you stand outside and can't get in and you have to go home with your date looking like a loser. And then you're just filled with self-loathing and whiskey. No, no, no. This will be the screening where everyone with a ticket gets in for what's sure to be the movie unveiling of the year. That's what's going to happen because I'm saying it, and I'm Rick Emerson. Why would I say something that's not true? Rick Emerson would not lie. No, Rick Emerson wouldn't lie because, but, and he wouldn't even inadvertently deceive the audience because, of course, that would make him look like a tool. So,
5: well, if people were specifically telling you that this is not going to be up for books, so, then I am not faulting you.
4: Well, I, but, go ahead. You can fault so me if you like. Uh, but, but so we get there last night. And Sarah and I get there we you know trying to get there early so we can you know sort of you know, scope out where everybody is, whatever, and there's a line like Sarah got to the uh, to the theater well you get we might as well bring on Sarah, so you got to the theater last night before I did, yeah, I got there like six, and Sarah calls me and she's like, there's a line all the way back to Kansas to get into this, and I said, really?
5: out into the parking lot
4: and so I show up and there's like David Walker and some folks are there, and and we're talking, and I said, hey, uh." How many theaters are they showing this in? Is this like three theaters? And he goes, no, 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 dude, they're showing it in one. Oh my and I God. said, how many people does that theater hold? And he goes, I don't know, like 300. And I looked at the line, which is just all the way back to creation, as my mother would say. I said, that looks like a lot of people. And he goes, well, I don't know. The theater's deceptively small. It, I think it'll hold a lot. And so, the, you know, they open the doors, you know, get in, some of us. Uh, we watch the movie, go home, great time, whatever. I come in this morning, I check my email. And like right out of the gate, I got like 12 emails from people who're like, hey, so uh, I uh, won those tickets and you were saying that it wasn't going to be over ticketed and there weren't going to be any. So uh, I waited outside for 90 minutes and then they sent me home and now my girlfriend thinks I'm a loser. So anyway.
5: fortunately, I was with my wife, so she already knows me well enough. But
4: well, yeah. so um, so here's the deal yeah, with that. Good
5: 56
2: people that got sent home. Yeah,
4: here's the and I feel like I feel bad about that. So and I'm, so here's the deal with that. So we, uh, I, this morning I tried to email back personally everybody who who didn't get in, and I said, hey, I'm sorry, Rick Emerson regrets the error, and I can't, I can't guarantee it as of yet. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I will tell you this: uh, I can speak for CBS in this regard. That CBS is, as we speak right now, uh, they are attempting to lay their hands on some run of engagement passes, which means you can use them kind of whatever you want uh, right. for for everybody who got a ticket and then didn't get in. Uh, So we're working on that now. Again, I I can't, I don't want to guarantee it because apparently it goes poorly when I say that, you know, things are are guaranteed. But we are working on taking care of everybody who didn't get in last night because it just turned out to be a little bit of a madhouse. So we're, uh, we're attempting to right that wrong as we speak, sir. Thank you. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you for listening, my friend. Uh, Apologies again about last night. All right. Thanks so much. All right. There you go. There's that guy. Well, that's great. The moral is don't ever take that first call. The moral is wait until the break is done. See, that's
0: why we didn't take the last call yesterday. Yeah,
4: that's true. All right. Anywho, hello, uh, Sarah Dillon. How are you?
0: I'm very well, despite the fact I'm still sick, but I'm going to see a doctor today. You know, you
4: sound way better, though.
0: Yeah, I still feel like crap though. It's taking its toll on me. Like I keep getting a lot of sleep, and I'm just exhausted. Is the inside today. of
4: your head still hurty and cloggy? Yeah,
0: it's still hurty right here. And I was talking to Susan uh, before the show, and she's just—I was telling her my symptoms. She's like, "Yeah, you definitely have a sinus infection." Yeah, depression.
4: no, it's it's bad, and you get—and it is—it is, it is like somebody just put like a. Um like some sort of a, like a caulking gun or like an air or what's that they get in you. And they it just, just filled really your head. heavy and it's just, yeah. I feel
0: so tired all the time.
4: Yeah, your head kind of feels like an overstuffed slushy pinata.
0: Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. So I'm going, yeah, so I have an appointment at four and then hopefully I'll get some antibiotics and... Would you
4: like to know what they uh, did for me when I had a sinus infection? Sure. Now it was different because when I had a sinus infection a few years back and I didn't have insurance at the time. And so I just went in, and I'm like, uh, I don't have any insurance and how can we take care of this? And... And she said, well, I can give you these pills that are $740 or whatever they were. She said, or we can try this sort of more, how did she put it? She didn't say primitive. She said something like a more entry-level solution or something, a more basic solution. And the basic solution ended up being, it was like that, uh, it, it was basically just for her to give me one of those big bottles of saline. And just to squirt warm salt water into my nose.
0: Oh, man, I can't do that.
4: And see, I was I was in the same boat. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And she's like, well, look, the pills are like $500, and you don't have an insurance card. You know, you don't have insurance company to do this. Or this saline bottle's like 15 bucks. And she goes, you know, be- between you and me, it's probably half of one, six of the other. So what do you think? And I was like, okay, I'll take that one that's $15. And I went home and jamming the saline into my uh, nose and either squeezing it or whatever, and I... I'll be goddammit if it didn't actually work a little bit. It didn't entirely get rid of it. But the thing is, it just... I guess it just oh, operates like on the you're talking about
0: that is making my face hurt.
4: I'm just, I'm just saying... I think the, I'm not saying that... I mean, look, you have insurance, though. She'll so probably give you medication. But I think the theory is that your head can only hold so much stuff... And so, if you start filling it up with water, the other stuff has got like, well, there's no room. we got to get okay, out of here. Okay,
0: okay, let's stop this conversation. And that grosses me out so much. Like, honestly, that is, like, disgusting. <laughs>
4: it's just like blowing your nose, only you can't, uh.
0: It's, it's only blowing, like, the front of your face out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> See, but it, was, it wasn't so much like that as it was like, um, imagine this. Imagine you're. No. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Imagine you're blowing your nose, but it's sort of in slow motion, so it lasts about 20 minutes. That's, I mean, really, I'm just trying to prepare you for the, uh, but if she gives you antibiotics, it might be something entirely different. Yeah. It might just come out as little pink cubes of happiness. <laughs> and sparkles. And joy. All right. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you today? Good morning. Good. Guess what I got? I have no idea. I got a registration for the Shamrock Run. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's hosted by our sister station, Kink. The what Shamrock Run. What yes. is the Shamrock Run? Sarah?
0: I do not know what the shamrock
4: is. It's down at the waterfront, downtown Portland, Sunday, March. That was like a marathon thing? Yeah. I'm going to do a 5K. Guess what bib number they're going to give me. I don't know what you're talking about. The bib number? You know how they have Oh, the bib. The bib. bib The bib. There's like 18,000 runners. Oh, this is where you put the little thing on your front that says like 75 or whatever. Yeah, 18,000. Yeah, what is your number?
0: 69. Of course it is.
4: (laughs) Out of 18,000 people...
0: Eighteen thousand people? Yeah, there's
4: eighteen thousand dollars. The odds runners were one in, in eighteen thousand of you getting that number. Yeah. Well done, Richie. Okay. Good for you, Richie. Here's the thing. As you were telling me that just like when I went to pick up that guy's call, I had this trepidation that it was gonna go poorly. Just as you were getting ready to open your mouth and tell me this story, I thought, Oh god, this is just gonna be something that's pointless and ends up not being that funny. And then it was funny and had a point. Well done. I'm actually glad I asked you that. Good for you, Richie. All right. Uh it's uh 733 Uh we will just uh we'll do a couple other things here and then we'll break. We got Lisa Desjardins coming up at the bottom of the hour. Um, I promise to tell you th- what Joe the Plumber and Rob Lagoevich have in common. I I have the video uh, flagged and book you know, it's like bookmarked. So I'm gonna get it posted so y'all can watch it. So Rob Lagoevich, I don't think we're gonna be talking to Amanda Moyer about this today, but Rob Lagoevich is in the news again. Like even though he's been impeached and kicked out and whatever, because he's writing the book. Uh, he's going to be writing a book about whatever, some tell-all about Chicago politics and getting his side of the story out, even though a liberal and biased media doesn't necessarily want to give an honest guy the benefit of the doubt. But he's a hardworking man trying to do the best for the people that voted for him. So he's going to be writing a book. You know who wrote a book that already came out that he's already doing tours for? Joe the Plumber. Joe the Plumber's book. And I don't even remember what the title is. He already wrote a book? No, he already wrote a book. It's already been published. He's already out doing in-store appearances for it. And here's how I know that Joe the Plumber, who looks staggeringly uh, similar to my friend Patrick Rochelle, which freaks me out. Here's how I know that Joe the Plumber already wrote a book. Because I was on the net, uh, what, uh, yesterday? Yesterday afternoon, I think. And somebody had posted, it was like at, um, it was at com or something. Somebody had posted a video, it was the saddest thing you've ever seen, of Joe the Plumber sitting behind, it was like that Spinal Tap thing where they're sitting in the record store, and there's like nobody showing up for the autograph session. And Artie Fufkin is like, I did the, I effed up. I had, the, I, I did the, we, we promoted, we over promoted. Kick my ass. Kick this ass for a man. It's like Joe the Plumber. You've got to find this video and watch it. I'll, 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 get, I'll get it posted on my website later today. It's Joe the Plumber sitting behind one of those sad tables that they put like the little draping, like the skirt around, sitting there flanked on either side by big stacks of his book. And then what's the other thing whenever there's an in-store reading for a book? There's the author sitting there. There's the table. There's the stacks of books so you can get them autographed after you've purchased them. And then there are the rows and rows of chairs where you can all come and sit next to your friends and neighbors and hear, like in this case, Joe the Plumber talking. Sarah, out of, I would say, 60 chairs, how many people do you think are sitting there? Seven. 5. Oh. <laughs> 5. 5 and I like how you gave him the benefit of the doubt uh, almost going to double digits. 5 people sitting there in the crowd. One of oh, whom I man. think is just homeless and looking for a place to sit down the for a while. Probably
0: his wife. Serious.
4: Serious and his manager, <laughs> totally. And he's sitting there and he's speaking from the book and um and then he sits down behind the table waiting for people to come up and buy the book and have him autograph it. A line that would never form. <laughs> a line that never came into being. So I will, uh, I'll find that link and get it posted because it's fantastic. So, all right, let's see. Um, and finally, today, the copy points for My Two Dads. One random on air caller today will win a copy of My Two Dads, the complete first season out in stores today. When 12 year old Nicole Bradford is left orphaned by her mother's passing, Judge Margaret Wilbur places her in the custody of two quarreling former best friends, both of whom are suspected of being her biological father. Conservative financial advisor Michael Taylor, that is Paul Reiser of Mad About What's You. all
0: the kooky stuff in the 80s about people being confused as to who their real father well, was? Well, there was
4: no DNA testing, so you could get away with it. Ah, star Wars. Okay. That's the. What? I said Star Wars. My father. Never mind. Uh huh. And liberal artist Joey Harris, Greg Evigan of Tech War, and BJ and the Bear fame. Co starring Stacey Keenan from Step by Step, Florence Stanley from Law and Order, and Vonnie Rabisi, guest star on guest star on Friends. Really? Is Vonnie Rabisi Giovanna Rabisi's sister? Yeah.
0: Well, I thought Giovanni... I thought that would be him.
4: No, this is Vanni Ribisi. And they, Maybe, they wouldn't, are you
0: sure he didn't go by Vanni? And
4: they wouldn't identify him as a guest star on Friends at this point, would they? He was a guest star Vanni with a capital V. He
0: played, he played Phoebe his
4: brother. Would they just... A, please tell me that Giovanni Rabisi isn't just a calling him as a with a capital V at this point. Because that's not That's not where somebody's lopped off the front of the word. That V is capitalized.
0: I think it's, it's like capital G-I-O, capital V-O-N-N-I.
4: I realize now I don't care that much. But... Um, and also football hero Dick Butkus. My two dads promises to be fun for yes the entire family. Vannie Rabisi Well because I think his sister is Nikki Rabisi. So maybe this is him. Mm. Maybe she's just called Key. Well and he was the
0: guest star on Friends.
4: Who did he play on Friends?
0: I told you it's Phoebe Buffet's brother.
4: <laughs> <laughs> just the idea that Vonnie and Phoebe could you be any whiter? All right. uh, so we'll be giving a, that away. No, in the 80s, it was so much, it, you could do anything like this because there wasn't any way to do. Like, you could do a blood test, which I think is how they used to do paternity tests. But a blood test isn't, uh, isn't definitive because a blood test only says if the blood type matches. But there's only what, like seven blood types or something? Mm-hmm. Does anybody in this room know their blood type?
0: I think I'm O negative.
4: Richie? Uh, totally, I'm positive. You what? <laughs> I don't know it. Yeah. See, and I I think I used to know, and now I've forgotten. Yeah. Anyway, but in the 80s, all you had to do was match the blood type, and I think that was like one in seven, so you couldn't really tell with any certainty if it was the other dad. Uh, now with DNA testing, you can. You know, another another thing that would be undone by this now is that the, that movie and book Presumed Innocent, with Harrison Ford and the the White Hot Bonnie Bedelia, in, it, that would never happen now. And in fact, if you think about it now, a lot of those uh, films from that era. I mean, if they took place in the real world, it's like the case totally would have fallen apart by now because the DNA testing would have either you know convicted or exonerated some guy. The point is, it's my two dads, and Dick Butkus is in it. It's Dick Butkus, who is the toughest guy on earth, with the gayest name that's ever existed. So there you go. <laughs> All right, it's 503 We will take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, if we have time, we will do our second question of yesterday's two-question session. We only got to the Juno one. We may do the other one today, sort of a Mythbusters thing. Plus, Lisa Desjardins, uh, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, and more, including Don Taylor and a discussion of Watchmen, the film. Stay there. It's a the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Yes, they screwed us on that, Sarah.
0: They sure did. What? <laughs> Who?
4: Hey, just a FYI. So according to the Internet Movie Database, in case you were really wondering about this, Vonnie Rabisi, capital V-O-N-N-I, is in fact... Giovanna Ribisi, because the Internet Movie Database says that Vani is his nickname. Now, that's maybe not surprising, except this. This is weird. Giovanni is spelled V-A-N-N-I. Like, it's spelled like Giovanni. Mm-hmm. And then his nickname is Vonnie V-O-N-N-I. So he's changed the vowel for his nickname, which is weird. And, you know, while we're on the subject, why is Jonathan Jack? That just doesn't make any sense at all. That's just stupid. Jonathan like, Jack? Jonathan. Like, why is Jack the nickname for John? That makes no sense at all. They don't share any letters except for J i don't know i've never heard that yes you have jack kennedy who is john f kennedy don't sh- shaking your head like you've never heard it that's no right. i like, haven't that's like that time that tim said he said he's never, never nicked himself he's, he's never cut himself shaving.
0: i've never heard jack ken i've ne- in my entire life never heard anyone refer to him as jack kennedy
4: you did not know that jack is the nickname for john no no who are you Are you sure let's talk to lisa de <laughs> who can clear all this up from CNN Radio, The Hill, is, uh, Washington, I don't know, I was trying to do a whole thing there where I was like, CNN, The Hill, sort of like MTV Laguna Beach. Hello, hi Lisa, how are you? Hi, hey. Okay, just I hate to bring you on and then ignore you for a second. That, really? That, that's that saying you've never heard Jack, that Chuck any... is, that's like saying you've never heard Charles is, is Chuck.
0: I've heard, yeah, Chuck and Charles. But... Well,
4: that makes people think about it that way, I guess, because that makes no Jacket. sense.
0: Lisa, have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: yeah. it's pretty weird though. I agree, with, I agree. Huh. It's it's a weird it's, it, it doesn't make sense you know a lot of uh, Russian names are the same way like you you really don't necessarily have a lot to do with uh,
4: the original name. I'm just thinking that like mm. Sarah grew up in a pod or something. That's really that's really odd. <laughs> that's
0: strange. Yeah, I've never heard that. It's
4: a piece of knowledge that uh, it's a piece of knowledge it's, that is sort of conspicuous by its uh, by its absence. So well all right then fair enough but yeah so just as Charles is is sometimes a guy named Charles is called Chuck a guy named John is often called Jack which this is just like no logic that so at all weird but it's yeah, like, it is
6: weird went, how did that happen in the first place
4: that's my thing is like you know at some point some guy must have said uh, you know okay here's what we're gonna do and we all have to agree right now that it's a good idea let's all just okay are we all on the same page okay yes going forward and go and then it just it just became a thing you did because I can't see how the etym- uh, the uh, etymology of it would have worked otherwise it, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of an evolution that could have happened from one to the other all right. Well, we'll move on. Hello, Lisa. How are you today?
6: Hey, how are you?
4: I'm, I'm fantastic. Is how I am. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hey, so I'm just gonna read what it says here in front of me. Okay. Uh, it says it's been two weeks since Obama signed the 790 billion stimulus bill. CNN's Lisa Desjardins reports that government agencies must start reporting on just where that money is going. Now, is this when you say that they have to start reporting on where the uh, the money is going? Is this sort of like in a in a jokey? We don't really mean that fashion, like it was with the last 700 billion. Where we just wake up one day, and the cupboard is bare, and nobody knows if the dog got a bone or not.
6: Right, and is that a way? Yeah. yeah. No, it's not in that way at all. In fact, if you go to recovery. Gov, uh, they agencies are actually posting uh, where they m- many more specifics on exactly where this money is going to go, and it's actually up there to comb through specific projects, those kind of things. Now, not everything is there, not every last dollar yet, but agencies have, in fact, started coming up with here's what we're doing.
4: And so um, just as part of this i mean there's a, there's a sort of a, a hydra of of, uh, of of issues here because there's that there's the fact that that a i g is asking for yet another thirty billion or something, which apparently they got like part of that seven hundred billion now they want thirty billion, but I guess this new thirty billion would actually be the fourth thing they 've gotten because there were two other uh, sort of infusions of cash that were given sometime over the last. Like right. Remember, it with started
6: it. with this is this is my. I've got actually a, like post-it notes on my wall that have post-its on top of post-its with the AIG money, and it's eighty-five billion was the initial. And remember, that was the first shockwave. That was the first. Are you kidding me? Right. Anybody needs that much money? And then after that, thirty-seven point eight. And then after that, twenty-seven billion. And now we're at another 30, 30 billion or, or so. And you know they just came out with their last quarter of 2008, in which they lost 62 billion dollars, which is pretty. I mean, that's a pretty amazing
4: feat. It seems like you almost have to work you know actively have to really put your nose to the grindstone to lose that much money you know what i mean yeah
6: it really is.
4: i mean it's like we've you know we've made the brewster's millions analogy before but right, i mean it's, right. it's sort of like that i mean that brewster's millions thing is almost antiquated at this point where you've got to spend 30 million in 30 days it i mean 30 million that's right really i mean the whole i mean losing 30 million in 30 days at this point all you have to do is invest it you just give it the Citigroup or something you know right i mean we it's just.
6: I am sure that there are. Um, I don't know if there's individual people, but I'm sure there are families that have lost 30 million in a day. Yeah,
4: I mean, at so some
6: point in the last couple of months.
4: The idea that they and let me ask you this. Here's another question I have. When you say that that uh, that AIG lost that, what is it? 62 billion. You said.
6: 62 billion with a B. Yeah.
4: When you say they lost it. I mean, what does that mean? That's not like when I lose one of my socks uh, and then I'm having to try to find two black socks that look <laughs> vaguely the same.
6: We're hoping that they find it. That would be great,
4: I mean, as George Carlin said, like nothing is lost if it you know it may be lost from here, but it's not lost is from somewhere lost else from where everywhere. Where is that sixty two billion dollars
6: sixty two billion it, it well i guess in the bottom line with any kind of loss like that obviously is that they brought in sixty two well they had sixty two billion that left, that went out in payments to somewhere, kind of, m- more than they brought in. So $62 billion went out more than came in. But you have to remember a lot of this is based on what assets they have. So, for example, if your home value is worth $400,000 at the beginning of last year and it goes down to $200,000, you would say that you've lost $200,000 because that's how much your home value went down. Well, AIG has owns a great deal of investments that went down in value like that, and they're putting that on their balance sheets and saying, this is money that we've lost. Some of it is business propositions uh, that have gone down the tubes, debts, those kinds of things, but a good deal of it is also investments that, have, that are, are no longer worth anything and that they put a great deal of money in, now that money is gone uh, because of what the estimated value is of those investments.
4: So this is also the group that they were like flying a bunch of people out to California to get massages and facial treatments, right?
6: I believe they are one of the groups yes. that did that. Yeah, they were they were kind of the forerunners. They were the pioneers, really. It seem like that it... area. But but they stopped doing it. They were sort of the first ones that got busted for
4: that. Does it seem like at some point somebody? Uh, whether it's President Obama or whoever, just has to stand up and say, "Look, in addition to the various penalties and liens uh, that will be imposed upon you if you default upon this uh, this latest round of financial infusion from the government, we are going to beat your ass like it has never been beaten before in public, on the steps of the White House. We are going to bring you up to the White House and we are going to bend you over and we are going to paddle you until you can never sit down again. We are we are going to we are going to beat you like you are the family mule." I mean, just somebody, there. it doesn't appear I mean, to be... Even a, how
6: you treat your family, mule, jeez. I mean,
4: I'm just saying... rough, the, the,
6: the, rough in the Emerson family, <laughs> being I, a mule.
4: That's only yeah, when the no, mule speaks I without think, being spoken to. I mean, but I mean, there's no, there seems to be no real <laughs> penalties or punishment brought to bear on any of these companies in any right. real way.
6: Right, I, I think that's right. And, you know, the, the trick is that you're always going to have people arguing that you still need to give the heads of companies incentives to do well. And that you can't, it can't be all... And no carrot, I guess. Wow. Going back to the mule analogy. But I, I think at the same time, almost everyone is furiously angry uh, with all of these CEOs. And so President Obama has said, yeah, we're cutting your salary. He's in the stimulus bill. If you take any more money from the government, uh, I think the top 10 salary, it, it's kind of tiered out. But generally, um uh, the top salaries are cut to, I believe, $500,000 a year, and and you can't get any bonuses, no stocks, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, down from 10, 11 million. That is, that is a significant change for those CEOs and how they live. But it, you're right, they're not getting flogged in public, which is probably what most of the public would like to see.
4: We should do one of two things. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I have to uh, skedaddle so I can talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, because I think Steve, I think when we ended the call yesterday, Steve had something he wanted. He had some story about, uh, he had some story about cheese or something he wanted to tell us. <laughs> it seemed very important. I got one of two things. They either ought to do it casino style. Where they say, like, look, you can take the money, but you've got to take the hammer first. You know, you take the mallet on the hand, then the money is yours. Or if you work at a company like this, or in fact, any, we start with the Fortune 500 companies, and you just fit the, like the CEO with some sort of a shock collar. And we, look, <laughs> you can do whatever you need to do, but for every 100 people you lay off, you're going to get like a 30-second shock with this thing. So, you know, you just you do, you know. But they're the, not
6: all bad CEOs. You know, it's, it's very tricky. Sorry.
4: This is probably a conversation for another time. I would simply, when you say that they are not all bad CEOs, I suppose that you don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but right. as as Gus uh, says in Season 5 of The Wire when they are doing the round of buyouts of the newspaper, and then they say, do I have any questions about the buyouts? And Gus raises his hand and he says, why are we firing people if the company's still profitable? And no one really has an answer to that. So, bad is a relative term, I would imagine.
6: Right, right. That's true.
4: On that note. You win. Hey!
6: Did,
4: did you know that. Uh, no, I was going to do a thing. Uh, did you know that Peg is short for Margaret? That's, that's true. There you go. That doesn't make any sense either. Right. No. On that note, have a fantastic day, Lisa, hey, and hey, we you will too. talk to you soon. There I, you go. All right. That's Lisa Desjardins. Steve Kastenbaum will join us in just one moment. Now, people are sending me nothing but uh, strange abbreviations of names. All right. You did See, Peg and Margaret doesn't make any sense That doesn't either. make any sense. No, none. Right. Hello, hi, you're on the... Ri- are you coloring are you- on yourself with a... Hi- <laughs> hold on one moment. Are you drawing on yourself <laughs> yeah. with a pink highlighter? I was just coloring on my tattoo. It's an odd day where you are, isn't
0: <laughs> it? It is. Honestly, I think this is putting pressure on my brain.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is going to be one of those things uh, like where the guy is showing the x-ray of your head... Except it's not a tumor, it's just mucus, and he's like, as you can see, this is pressing down on the occipital uh, lobe, and it is restricting blood flow to these... Are, like,
0: watering and, like... Ugh.
4: Be careful that you don't sneeze, because if you sneeze... Snoo- what if you, you tried to hold back a sneeze and it blew your eyes out of the front of your head?
0: Oh, God, don't put that in my mind. <laughs> I'm just saying.
4: Uh, I just don't know that there's a whole lot of room in there to be holding anything back. All right. Maybe it would help if... Uh, maybe you should just start opening your mouth and screaming a lot to let out the air pressure, because otherwise... You're just gonna, you know, just gonna reach maximum density at some point. All right. I'm sorry that your brain is hurting. <laughs> no, it's, and please, and I don't mean to sound—it's just weird. I've never felt a pain like this before.
0: It's like right there.
4: I don't mean to sound condescending when I say this. It's just—it's you're just terribly cute today uh, because you just—you know. But I'm sorry.
0: I want to bring my A game. I'm just like I seem to get my antibiotics and then I'll be okay. I'm just so tired of being exhausted and like it's like God is punishing me. Like I try to take care of myself and be good and like. And you sleep well, pay back with illness, exactly sleep and quit smoking and drinking water. And then it's just every day is worse.
4: No, no, no. You, and it's just, it's just, I just looked over just now and Sarah was just sort of dreamily looking at her arm and drawing all over it with a pink highlighter. And it really was adorable in the weirdest way. So, uh, well you sound, and you like sound a, fine. Okay. Thank you. And you know what, Sarah, it's better to look and sound good than to feel good. <laughs> I don't know where That'd I got this. Somebody, on the outside. somebody said that somewhere. As Joe Perry from Aerosmith would say, you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, Rick. Hey, I was curious. Did you see how morbid that Joan Rivers looks now? I mean, she looks like she's trying to look like Jack Nicholson in The Joker.
4: Uh, When did you last see her?
5: Sheila, I was watching The Celebrity Apprentice, and I wouldn't even want my five-year-old to watch her. Hold on. she scare her half to death. Joan Rivers.
4: I'm just going to type in Google Images. Joan Rivers Apprentice.
5: And the scariest thing is her daughter's starting to look like her, too, with all the plastic surgery
7: that she's starting yeah. to get Well, Joan done. Rivers,
0: like, made her daughter get plastic surgery. Is that true? Yeah, I remember, like, I she forced to, her to, to get a nose job when she was, like, 16.
4: All right, hold on. Let's see. Uh, Joan Rivers, celebrity apprentice. Hold on, I'm picking up the picture right here. I'm blowing it up. And it's uh, loading. Ooh, that's no good. No, she looks bad. And the thing about Joan Rivers is she was never really hot as such, but she was kind of sexy in a weird way when she was you know, younger. And not because she was younger, just because... You know, she was just kind of a kind of a pretty girl, and now she just, uh, I don't know, it's just wrong. wrong. It's, it's like you're yeah. looking at one of those spitting image puppets from the 80s that that British company made. <laughs> Precisely. Well, thanks for sharing that image with me. Now it's going to haunt my dreams. Enjoy.
0: Right. Enjoy. Yeah, thanks. Enjoy. thanks so much.
4: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Was it in Google Images? It's in Google. I just Googled Joan Rivers' Apprentice. And oh, wow. This, this picture on the right, it's just, you know what it is? It's like, it's like that thing I was saying with Priscilla Presley where, it's not even that she looks ugly as such. it's just that your brain you're oh <laughs> I I was that is somebody I beaming to up my phone I All right. Guess. but you know it's like when your brain just senses that something is amiss,
0: wow she looks. She doesn't look human. I think that's the
4: problem. That's the thing. Well, it's like, did you ever, and we'll get Steve Castleman in like five seconds here. Did you, but did you ever like, yeah, well, I could watch. She's like um, a
0: reconstructed face after something bad has happened.
4: Yeah, like somebody built a new version of it. Yeah. Like, did you ever watch a movie where the CGI is really good, but you're, it's just, even for reasons you can't tell, your brain somehow knows. You can just, you're watching it. And like with Dr. Manhattan? The Dr. Manhattan, but I guess... Like when he we was talking, I would see like... Like that, yeah, something like that, or just, or something that like, or you're watching a movie and it's something that's supposed to look realistic. In other words, he's blue when he glows or whatever. Yeah. But a movie where it's like they've cgi like a car crash. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to, and it like, I guess it looks real, but your brain somehow just knows. You can just, you can sense that it's fake, and therefore your brain kind of rejects it like, oh, no, 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 that's just CGI. That's when things with Joan Rivers and Priscilla Presley. It's not that she looks ugly as such my brain is just registering that there's something wrong with that and therefore i'm rejecting it as sort of inedible uh you know what i mean it's uh she's
2: inedible
4: that's it's, it's like when you try to eat something and your body just goes no no, no that that's a washer from your toolkit bob we can't eat that Blah! and you just back up that's what my uh, brain is doing with joan rivers it's just like so you just can't eat joan rivers welcome now to the rick emerson show seeing a radio correspondent steve cast about hello sir
8: Hello. You know, I'm looking at some of those pictures, and I'm, and I'm realizing that she's got so much makeup on to cover the plastic surgery that she's had. She's, she's made no secret about the numbers of plastic surgeries she's had. So you can see, like, like, look at how much eye makeup she has on. Well, and
4: see, isn't plastic surgery supposed to solve the problem, not give you another problem to cover up? To like, a point. You... Yeah, I mean, I like everybody you know, look. Like we uh, I want some eyeliner to bring up my to bring up the color of my eyes. Well, that's fine. But I mean, if you're having plastic surgery and then the result of that is you you've got to slather on makeup to hide it, it seems like you've chosen the wrong doctor. Like that that's not what plastic surgery is supposed to do.
8: Well, you've had 10 procedures too many.
4: Exactly. That's, you know, it's just you just taking away. Well, I mean, you uh you live in New York. You must know that uh is it just Jocelyn Wildenstein live in New York, Sarah? Yes. Okay. No. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about then. Yeah, the Cat Lady. Oh,
0: Cat Lady. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so Have you
0: ever seen her Steve walk in the streets? Uh I'm trying to remember if I've
8: gone to an event where she was, you know, speaking to the press. I might have at some point. Uh I haven't seen her actually just walking down the street, but so, I might have been at an event that she was at.
4: And so if people don't know what we're talking about. You got to uh, and be prepared by the way. It's not I mean it's safe for work. It's just not safe for your eyes or your soul. Uh go to Google image search at some point and google Jocelyn with a C uh, and an L Y N. Jocelyn Wildenstein. And it's this woman who the the basically the facts of the story that everybody agrees on are these: that she was a pretty girl, and then got older, got older, got older. Husband had an affair, and so the fact that the husband was like stooping some other woman, coupled with the fact that this that she apparently has a cat fixation, she then got all of this insane plastic surgery to make herself look like a cat, and it's just. As creepy as I'm making it sound, that still doesn't prepare you for the reality of what Jocelyn did in the She's like a of like. a woman; like she's huge. She looks like Marv bad, from Sin City. Yeah. I mean, she looks and just and she's just—it's again the same thing where your 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 soul is rejecting it as wrong, not even ugly, just wrong. It's all yeah. kinds of bad. Good God Almighty! Well, in any event, how's the rest of your day going, sir?
8: You know, I'm really getting tired of talking about uh, sour economic news and watching these stocks.
4: Plummet. uh maybe you should come okay how about this here i'm going to help you out here because i know that everybody gets tired of hearing that you know just listen to you know you feel like johnny buzzkill when you come on you're like hey guess what remember we said the dow couldn't go any lower it's gone lower exactly so let's we should right now let's brainstorm steve a way for you to talk about the dow plunging and everyone's uh you know 401ks uh vanishing and all their investments going down the drain let's find a way to talk about that while being uh at least somewhat amusing, maybe by finding an interesting analogy or simile to use for this. Uh, For example, I'm not going to go the limbo route because that one, it seems not all that fun, and it's probably overdone at this point. You could say, let's see, what could you compare this to? You could say, if the stock market were a TV show, its ratings would currently match that of. In other words, you could find a popular TV show that fell off. Um, How about this? If the stock market, if the stock market were a rock band, it would be, and then you take a band that used to like headline, let's say Madison Square Garden that's now playing like, you know, uh, like some guy's basement. It's now playing a casino somewhere. <laughs> uh,
8: like, like one of the uh, one of the uh, heavy metal hair bands. Exactly. In the 80s, yeah.
4: Or how about this? Um, if you had a pound of cheese for every point that the stock market had fallen, you would have enough cheese to make X, uh, you know, uh, sandwiches for the next whatever. I'm just throwing these out. I'm just trying to find a way to help you put it in terms that might be amusing.
8: I understand. I appreciate the, the input because I'm just I'm, I'm, uh, tapped out. How about know? this?
4: How about this? Things you could have done with your money that would be giving you a better return than the stock market right oh, now. Oh, that's
8: a good one. That's right. a good one.
4: Um, things in Hold which on, you...
8: Wait, i got to type that one. Hold on. Yeah.
4: <laughs> things in which you could have invested where your money probably would have come back uh you know at, at least a higher rate than it's currently coming back with investments as they now stand. Ooh, how about this? How about this? You could do this. You could compare the odds of putting money into the stock market in whatever sort of a mutual fund or whatever stock you want to, you want to pick as an example versus going to uh, uh going to Atlantic City and gambling not even so much like it on blackjack or the slot machine, but on that big that big ass money wheel they put up there just to lure in the rubes. <laughs> You know, the <laughs> like, one where they, just, where they just fleece all the people from Kansas, where it's just a big money wheel. They spin around with, like, a $1,000 bill and then a bunch of ones. And everybody right. just, all the slack-jawed yokels just stand there and watch their rent money money uh, rent money just vanish down the drain.
8: Yeah, it's like, it's like the Wheel of Fortune, but it's actually vertical instead of on, uh, you know. Exactly. Flat, so, right?
4: there yeah. you go. So, I mean, what, like, if you would put all your cash into the money wheel, how, like, what are the odds you would have made money as opposed to putting your, uh, like, your cash into, oh, I don't know, Citigroup? Yeah. All right.
8: I like I like that. What 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 you could have done with your money that would have gotten you a better return. Yeah.
4: Exactly. All right. Um so I guess on that note, uh what are the hard realities of where we are right now with the uh with the well, stock market?
8: It looks and here we are at the end of the day on Tuesday like some bargain hunters are starting to come in here cuz the Dow is up about 70 points right now after it hit a 12-year low yesterday. But all of the auto companies right now are reporting uh, their sales figures uh, for the fourth quarter, and they're just, they're just horrendous, you know? I mean, GM, let me, let me find the GM one because we just got the email about that. Uh, I had it up here on the screen, and now I've misplaced it. Justin, here we go. Uh, Dismal sales report for GM, uh, General Motors uh, reporting that their car sales compared to last year's January sales, this past January, down. 53% Toyota down 40% Ford down 48% compared to last January
4: okay how about this I got a great idea this is maybe two ideas that you, you have to pick between or you fold them into one okay idea number one is this works too because it plays into the thing Amer- America loves class issues America loves class warfare uh, in fact I have to tell you, when my wife went to uh, Italy at one point one of the thing, the thing that is all the rage in Italy is, you know, like, like the punk kids wear like a bunch of buttons on their shirt. But in Italy right now, it's tiny, tiny buttons. It's like miniature buttons. Uh-huh. And she brought me back like a Ramones one or whatever. And she brought me back another one. It's like a skull with like something else on it or whatever. And I said, what's that? And she said, that's the Italian logo for class warfare, which was righteous. And so I put it on this jacket that I wear all the time. So I have this class warfare button I wear because it just looks bitchin'. Um, okay, this plays into class divide in America and everywhere. You do this, you talk about a stock that used to be really pricey, and now you find a guy who is destitute, dirt poor, but who could still buy as many shares of that stock as like a millionaire could have bought like five years ago. (laughs) Okay. In other words, you you find some guy, what do you do? I put the the caps on toothpaste tubes. Well, sir, did you know you could now buy a thousand shares of Citigroup stock? How about this, though? This is the keeper. Here's how you make the stock market, uh, the implosion of the stock market, sort of bleakly and blackly amusing. Mm -hmm. you find a homeless guy, you find out how much the homeless guy makes in a day on the corner just panhandling, Mm -hmm. and then you figure out either, A, how much stock in a given company a homeless guy could make every day with the change he collects, or would he be better off uh, panhandling on the corner or investing in X shares of Citigroup? Oh,
8: panhandling. There you go. That one right now, okay
4: But see, but you find the actual hard statistics on that. That's yeah. a story that would get picked up. Everybody would be talking about. That's a story that I'm telling you. CNN would seize on that. They'd they'd make everybody air that story. Yeah. So you find I'm, out homeless guy, blah 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 blah. Stock market shares.
8: I'm surprised like Jeannie Mose didn't pick up on my story about the, it being more expensive to use a, a Citibank ATM than buy a share of their stock.
4: Here's the thing is, I don't know where Jeannie Mose is these days because I see her about once every nine months at this point, and then she vanishes again.
8: Yeah, I I totally thought I would have seen her, you know, at a bunch of uh, Citibank ATMs.
4: You know, she's a universally loved journalist. Not that we aren't, Steve, but, uh, but everybody loves her, even people who traditionally don't care that much for the news. But I feel like she must have some secret identity where she's like, That girl or or just a billionaire or something? Because she used to be on TV now all the time, and I get the feeling she's just drinking Mai Tais in a hammock somewhere these days.
8: I think she's, you know, finally catching up on some much-needed rest because, you know, during the election and all the way up until the inauguration, she was, like, churning out a piece a day. Yeah. And that type of piece that she does is is not easy to put together every day.
4: All right. How about this final thought? Uh, This has nothing to do with the stock market. One of these days, somebody at CNN needs to do a, where is Lynn Russell from Headline News? Because guys everywhere, and not a few women, love Lynn Russell. And uh, she was the sole reason I watched Headline News. And when she retired, it was a sad day for us all. So, so we should do a daily update? Just, just like ten years after, because I think she's been retired for about a decade now. Because uh-huh. Lynn Russell, you know what? She was a newscaster, she was hot, she was a cop, uh, and she was a licensed bounty hunter. So oh, I
8: didn't know the bounty hunter. She probably.
4: was a licensed bounty hunter, in addition to being a hot, smart journalist who was also like a deputy. So uh, I didn't know saying, that. All right. On that note, my friend, uh, we're all in this together, so we will talk to you uh, tomorrow. Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Fantastic. How many slankets could you buy if you sold your city market stock right now? Something like that. I think the homeless angle is where it's at. Uh, Let's do these, then we'll break. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show.
3: Rick. You. You want to talk about some badly aging... uh... Celebrities. Well, sure. I inadvertently caught like the last five minutes of damages last night, and Glenn Close looks like somebody just grabbed the back of her head and yanked real hard.
4: You know, the funny thing about that description is—is is it like I don't know how you ever even arrive at that image, but it perfectly encapsulates what is wrong with her face right now. And the thing about Glenn Close is, I, let me just ask you this: Did you? Because I can't figure this out sometimes did you think glenn close was hot at some point like did you ever really look and this is not a question for women this is a question for guys because glenn close is one of those women that probably other women would go i just think she's so beautiful and meanwhile guys are like and she looks like snoopy or something (laughs) uh which is the thing. like gwyneth paltrow's that way but for guys like i wonder i can't remember if i thought she was honestly hot at one point
3: i don't think she was hot i think she at one point in time maybe about Fifty years ago, she may have had a sensuality about
4: her. Maybe that's maybe she was sexy but not hot. Like, cause in Fatal Attraction, she was, I think she was sexy, but she was maybe sexy
0: but yeah. not pretty.
4: Yeah, so maybe her that's Her hair it.
3: was kind of crazy. I'll, I'll give her, I'll give her Fatal Attraction. Yeah, they fixed her up pretty good there.
4: So sexy but not pretty. And then, like, I remember watching her in Dangerous Liaisons, which is a film that I that I love a lot. But there's that thing in Dangerous Liaisons where she looks sexy all the way through, and at the end, there's that scene where she takes off her makeup and she's just a horse, just bad. So.
3: I got nothing on that one. I didn't see that.
4: All right, thank you, sir.
3: <laughs> one more thing. Yes. Uh, your fear of driving next to log trucks. Absolutely. And Sarah's fear of tires exploding next to her.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Night, uh, 2004. I had that happen to me three times in one summer.
4: Which I mean, like both of them, or?
3: No, dri- I was driving down 84 and. Uh, let's see, two times I was in a car, one time I was on my motorcycle, and the rear dual, on the outside, exploded.
4: <laughs> oh.
3: Right next to me, and let me tell you, it is scary.
4: Yeah, I can't, because all it just you hear flies this, apart, right? All
3: you hear is this, boom!
4: Blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay, I don't need the Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, bastard. Alright, thank you. Alright, <laughs> bye. bye now. Jerk. All right. Uh, when we get back, uh, we will be welcomed by... Welcome. We will welcome and be joined by... We will by, be
0: welcomed by her. <laughs> well,
4: we'll make her welcome. us. Don Taylor plus Troy in Alaska. I guess he's probably weighing in on the big Juno thing from yesterday. Uh, so we will talk to uh, Troy. Our uh, he's, uh, he's sort of opening... He's, he's our franchisee. He's taking the show into the wilds of Juno. Uh, so we'll take a call from Alaska. We'll talk to Don Taylor. And we'll discuss last night's Watchmen premiere when we get back. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show. I didn't hear a claxon, Did you, Sarah?
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
4: I have no idea. All right. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Thank you for joining us. Coming up later on today, uh, seeing our radio correspondent, James Roop from Los Angeles. Uh, we will also talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. couple of things, quick notes. One. Wait, no. B. We're going to be giving away uh, today to one random on-air caller, My Two Dads, the complete first season on DVD, starring Paul Reiser of, you know, Aliens, and starring Greg Evigan of Tech War, and then I was, and then I was just all fail yesterday, because I forgot that he was in BJ and the Bear. I, mean, I couldn't because I was just like, Tech War? What do you mean they're going to go around Tech War? That's ridiculous. Uh, but then somebody's like, no, 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 BJ and the Bear, which I'd sort of forgotten about. So there you go. Um, so Michael Taylor and Joey Harris are the two dads in question. That's my two dads. Uh, the complete first season, and so forth, and whatnot. Uh, let's see what else. We want to thank uh, our man Dwayne, who was working at Regal Cinemas last night. Hey,
0: Dwayne, and he what? wanted us.
4: <laughs> uh, he did, he wanted me actually, uh, because I was I was walking in, and I think I was just distra- I was distracted by a thing. It's like I was turning off my phone or something. And uh, and he said, you look familiar, which is always a bad opening to a conversation because then it's like they always confuse you with some guy that impregnated their sister and wrecked their car or something or that like went in on that bank heist and then squealed to the cops. And I said, uh, really? And he said, are you Rick Emerson? I said, yes. And he goes, oh, and whatever. And then we talked about the movie. And then he just completely failed to want me. So, I mean, I could have just been I could have just been taking the entire uh, the movie right onto my phone into Pirate Bay, like from the theater. I mean, I wasn't. But and then he was giving everybody else like the full on. I mean, it's like I'm surprised they weren't doing cavity uh, searches. It was really, it was really like a pretty intense uh, procedure last night. And then they play before Watchmen. They play that that big thing on the screen. It looks sort of like that announcement where it says like this movie has been modified to fit your TV screen, except it said like if we catch you taping this film, we will take you out back and we'll break your pelvic bones or something. Uh, so anyway, so that was last night, at Watchmen. So we want to thank uh, Dwayne, who's a listener. Said he'd be listening today. Dwayne, hey, how's it going? Hi. All right. Also, we should welcome Don Taylor to the program before we talk to Troy in Alaska. Uh, I feel bad because Troy. I was going to say I feel bad because he's in Alaska, but I mean, nobody pays long distance anymore, do they? Because if you have a cell phone, there's no long distance charge. Isn't that the case? I you, don't, you don't pay anymore It depends call... on your carrier. But I mean, if you have, like, like I have uh, Verizon, I don't think I pay any more to call New York than I did than to call, like, Sarah or whatever. Seems like long-distance things might become a... Long-distance charges, as we know them, at least within your country of origin, seems like they might be a uh, they might be a thing of the past, which means, by the way, that 800 numbers would become a thing of the past. Hmm. All right. I have to... Hold on. I have to make a note to think about that later. 800 numbers and cell phones. Not going to make everybody sort of suffer through that with me right now, but I'm going to ponder that later in the privacy of my own home <laughs> with the God of my choosing. Uh, before we do anything else, Troy and Juno, how's your day, sir? Oh, wonderful! All right.
9: Until I heard that dude saying that I can't get out of earth, that I can get out of town when I definitely can't. So,
4: so this is the this is what prompted the whole conversation. Was you calling us a while back from Juno, and then we were saying, you know, by we I mean me, I was, you know, you you can't drive into Juno, you have got to fly. And I got like a bunch of jackasses who were emailing me saying, no, 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 you can totally do it. Here's a link to the Google map showing you how to. So we had this whole discussion yesterday where I thought we put it all to bed. And then, of course, then the jackassery begins anew with some guy. You're totally wrong about Juno. Here's a map quest. will take you right to that guy's door or something. So you live there, and you're saying point blank, flat out, no bull, you can't.
9: No, 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 no. I can't say it enough. All right. There's, like, there's plans to build a road out of Juno, but uh, that may not go through because it like goes through a hundred and some odd avalanche zones. So it would be closed half the year. So then it becomes then, like a,
4: like a road slash lottery.
9: Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right.
9: Exactly.
4: It's a road so I don't know like ride.
9: where like I've never bothered to look at a uh, Google map of of Juno because you know it's small enough to know where everything is and not need directions. <laughs> but I can't imagine like how anyone would get the impression that I could get out of this town when I definitely can't. The only way is by boat or by
4: plane. It's For kind sure. of it's kind of freaky. It, it is actually. A, uh, maybe Don knows this. It's hard to believe. Knowing it, it, the phrase you just used, where you said you can't get out of town unless it's by boat or by plane, it seems so obvious that somebody would set a horror movie in June. Oh, How yeah. many people,
9: like fifty thousand? Like kind of zombie apocalypse, and I'm screwed.
4: I was just thinking that. I mean, somebody really ought to set some sort of. Uh, I guess there was that vampire movie that took yeah, place like 28 in Twenty Eight Days of oh, night, or night or whatever, whatever the Don't hell. Don't get me
9: started on that. <laughs> oh, now, wasn't it, was
4: that on Alaska?
9: Yeah, that was set up in Barrow, which is a total misrepresentation of Alaska. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not at all what Alaska is like. They portrayed it as like Barrow is some kind of town that closes down for, you know, 30 days when the light doesn't shine. But, in fact, it does, like, even though the sun won't come up, you could see it over the horizon and the, and the sky will get bright.
4: So it's like a dusk so, or dawn kind of a thing.
9: Exactly. Yeah. It will be dawn for, like... A couple hours in the afternoon, and then it goes dark again and flames and all kinds of stuff. And there's an army base right next to Barrow because there's a, the oil
10: fields up
4: there. Does living in Alaska make you angry? You uh, just... Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just, just to, bottom, to, to bottom line this whole thing, though, because the Juno thing is uh, that you can't get in or out by, by road. You have to drive in uh, or you have to fly in, rather, or take a boat. It, that's a that's a given it seems to be a true thing so therefore it, it, it's, it's like it, it is an eventuality that will come to pass that they will make a zombie vampire uh, action film of some kind set there so all right On no, that, yeah,
11: Troy. are you just angry because you have to live in an ice house and fight bears
9: <laughs> and ride my uh ride my polar bear to school exactly
4: just like there's like the woman in the kettle one ass all right thank you sir yeah, no problem all right there you go that's Troy in Alaska
2: Wow. All right.
4: Hello, Don Taylor. How are you today?
11: I'm good. I'd like to uh, also give a shout out to Dwayne, who I believe might have been the one who just looked at me when I was returning from the bathroom. And went, uh, uh, I trust you.
4: And just like jerked a thumb <laughs> yeah. over
11: his shoulder. Go yeah. on in. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Like, and then I felt a little bad. I was like, why do
4: I look trustworthy? Well, because I could be a pirate. You seem pure of heart, Don. Is that it? By the way, I uh,
0: you seem evil, but that makes you feel any better.
4: Oh. I should also note that. I it, guess that's good. Don came into <laughs> I don't know the.
0: What
4: uh do you Don? <laughs> came into the studio today, and you're wearing like a sort of a Stevie Nicks kind of a white linen sort of a shirt. And Don said, "Hey, just in case you're wondering why I'm wearing this shirt, because it is a little ren fairy." And <laughs> and she said, "It's because it's because I was changing clothes all morning because I was sweating all morning long." <laughs> to which I said. So then you decided to wear something that is right now kind of see-through, and were you to sweat, would it's become airy. completely see-through.
11: The see-through thing is just for you, Rick. I was going to say, I'm not complaining.
4: I mean, uh. You wear, the you, dark,
11: you wear the dark bra under the light shirt, and then you go, oh, I had no idea he was aware of my breasts. <laughs> and I left my summer wardrobe with like a white beater and then a black bra.
4: Well, all right then. Anywho, uh, so Watchmen last night. Uh, wait, hold on. Before Watchmen. we, uh. Okay, we're now going to be entering the Watchmen zone. <laughs> I should say that's our spoiler alert from now on. From now on, this will be our spoiler alert. Spoiler. Whenever, and I'm not saying that we're going to be revealing spoilers as such. I'm just giving you, you know what it is? We'll we're just set that about, on a timer to go off like every 30 seconds. Yeah. It's just like where there's that, you know, there's that sign that like, you know, caught there may be rattlesnakes uh, in this area or something. Or that like, you know, here there might be dragons. And some
11: people seem to believe that if you just say anything that is going on in the plot... Even if it's in the commercials on
4: television. Right.
11: It's a spoiler. It's like no, it's mm. not a spoiler.
4: Well the thing that bugged me, we, man, we were talking we were talking about Lord of the Rings and I think it was like Return of the King or something was coming out and I was talking about something or other. Oh, I was talking about Gandalf. Uh you know, to fly you fools and then he falls or whatever. And some guy called him and just just screamed at me about spoilers and at one point I just said, The book is fifty years old. Like for the love of God. I mean, it's it's not my fault you don't have a library card. So.
11: Yeah, I I made some comment about Fight Club on my blog once, and someone complained about me giving it away, and I was like, this movie, the movie came out like twelve years ago. Right.
4: Yeah. I mean, get over it. Well, that's at a certain, and you know, it's funny because actually today our our opening show clip was from Empire, uh, and it was you know it was that whole you know never told you what happened to your father, and if you'll note, I actually cut the end of it off today. Because the last time I let the Darth Loop thing play all the way to the end, Aaron Duran of all people said, like, "You're ruining the movie!" And I'm like, "Really? What planet do you live on?" <laughs> he's he's Luke's father! Oh my God! There you go. All right. So that is our uh, that is our spoiler sound effect. It just means that there may be spoilers past this point. Uh, and so we'll try to keep this conversation to uh, you know just a few minutes. Uh, you know, largely because the movie hadn't had opened yet. I mean, we saw the screening last night, and uh, and you know the movie opens on Friday, and so we'll talk about it more next uh, next Monday. But anyway, but we were there last night. Yeah. So uh, how, do we? How do we wish to do this? Do we wish to go around the room? Our initial thoughts, uh, questions, whatever. I don't
0: know. Why don't we just do roundtable discussion?
4: Let's start with Sarah Dillon. Sarah,
0: I really liked it. John and I were discussing after. Don, I want to talk about our favorite part in the movie. Sure. Wait,
4: crap. Is this going to be... Are you going to... <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Um, we, yeah.
11: should,
4: we should simply say at this point, and again, I realize that we're talking yes, about...
0: I looked in the book and this was not in the book.
4: And I know that, as you should say, the, the, the reason we'll keep this kind of brief today is because we are talking about something that almost no one has seen. But I will simply say... If you do enjoy the Leonard Cohen composition, hallelujah, in any of its forms, especially in, in, in this version, which is, you know, Leonard Cohen himself, try to hold on to those memories. Try to, to cherish them. this song. Okay. Try to enjoy this song while you can. Try to embrace this song. Keep it close to your musical bosom. And really just suck all the joy out of the song that you possibly can, because that joy will be sucked out by the makers of Watchmen who, when you go to see the movie. Because there's one of the worst, most awkward, most embarrassing sex scenes that has ever been ever. committed to celluloid yeah. in Watchmen. So much so that I wondered if we were being kind of, if it was like a gag.
0: I laughed. I laughed and I thought it was supposed to be funny. And then I'll try to look at everyone else's straight
11: face. I look at you and you were straight face.
4: I'm like, Because I didn't want to laugh because then I knew that everybody would, I was trying to keep it together.
11: I think to a degree, it I, the use of the song, I think, was supposed to be funny, kind of. But the problem is that if, if, if you've ever been somebody watching a movie and you've thought to yourself, wow, it must be really difficult to direct a hot sex scene in an R-rated movie that's actually sexy but doesn't seem like weird or silly or, you know, overly humpy, then when you watch Watchmen, you will see... Yes, apparently it is difficult to do that yes. and Zack Snyder is not a man no. who knows how to do it.
4: No, he is a uh,
11: That was
0: I, I I was just like so in love with the movie until that point. I'm like,
4: "Oh, sweet." It oh. was it was I would say this. I'd say that the that the the sex scene and again if you've read uh if you've read the graphic novel, if you read Watchmen, you you know what we're talking about. It's the it's the one with the owl. Um <laughs> It's just jaw-droppingly bad. I mean, it's stunningly, amazingly, appallingly, like mind-bendingly bad. It is so
0: bad. bad. Like there aren't even words to describe it. And then in your face, Jason Crump, because he's like, no, this but that's the song from the book, of the and it's not. It was the Billie Holiday song, uh, You're My Thrill, yeah, which, which is in the Watchmen. And it's uh, like, in Watchmen.
4: And there's just stuff that there's just stuff that works on the page that doesn't work when you try to when you try to film it. There's things that just look silly was when you it.
0: I liked Watchmen, but it was kind of musically spastic
4: yeah well you they' know, had... like with
0: that ninety nine luff balloons when they' was playing they're just sitting in a coffee shop talking all of a sudden this big burst of energy comes out musically, and then they're just sitting there I'm like, well and then, and like then the
11: uh the funeral scene for a comedian mm-hmm. and the, right. like, and was... sound of sounds of silence yeah and and that i I'm going this movie was made in nine is it takes place in nineteen eighty five right Really, sounds of silence. This is what you're going with for the. And, and, and I'm a
0: sucker for that song. And though. the music,
11: as we mentioned, it it was so front loaded with these pop songs in the first third of the movie. Like it was like every other scene had some damn pop song attached to right. it. And and you're sitting there thinking, oh my god, it, is is this going to be like the the Charlie 106 playlist for the whole the whole movie? And and then about then he just stops. Yeah. And then it's just sound, actual original soundtrack movie music through the rest of the movie. So it's like. Was there a point when you realized this isn't working, mm-hmm. but you'd already like bought the rights? so well, you, you ever figured get... you had to use them anyway. And uh, <laughs> what happened here? Do you
4: get this feeling sometimes? And uh, by the way, you can read more of Don Taylor's musings at film. dot com. Are you going to be uh, Are you going to be writing a review for Watchmen? Because I you, you 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 know you focus on DVDs most of the time. Are you going to be I doing a review? I am not
11: actually writing a review proper, but I am working on a piece that is due on Wednesday. Which is on uh, whether or not I think that it would be better served as an HBO miniseries.
4: The answer is almost everything would be better served as an Mm. HBO miniseries. And by the way, lest anybody think that I'm being unduly harsh when I say that about Watchmen, you know what else ought to be an HBO miniseries? It's World War Z. I mean, mean, however good it ends up being or not being, it would be better as an eight-hour movie as opposed to. I mean, I can't even imagine how they're going to make a through-line two-hour movie a narrative. Out of World War Z, which is a book of, if you haven't read World War Z, it's just, just know this. It's not a novel. It is a, it, I mean, it's fiction, obviously. But it's just a collection of interviews. It is, It is a, the entire book is transcripts of interviews. That's it. I mean, it is a series of oral interviews that have been transcribed into a book mm-hmm. that they're trying to make into a two-hour movie, and I just, I don't know how they're going to do it. So I think there's just, there's stuff that works in your mind's eye, and then when you try to, you know, put it on the film. And plus, this is sort of what I call the Cameron Crowe symptom. Do you ever get the feeling that you've paid twelve dollars just to hear what's on some guy's iPod? You know? Like that was when I saw Elizabeth Town. I remember just sitting here thinking Oh,
11: that was an awful movie.
4: It was it was so bad, and especially for Cameron Crowe. I remember watching Elizabeth Town and thinking to myself, these are a bunch of songs he wanted to put in Almost Famous, but he couldn't find a reason or they didn't fit the time period, and now he is writing a movie. It's like with it's like with Elizabethtown. It's like he came up with a list of songs. It was almost like a screenwriting contest. like one of those iron chef things, but with a movie. Where they said, All right, and you've got to create a movie that uses these twelve songs. You have an hour, Cameron Crow. And we saw how well that worked with <laughs> Mamma Mia. Total. Pride in the name of love. You know, and then and at one point literally in Elizabeth Town I don't know if I'm spoiling it for you, I don't I don't want to ruin the <laughs> filming experience of <laughs> the at one point in Elizabethtown, there's this protracted sequence that is honestly I swear to God, it's just Orlando Bloom driving around in his car, listening to his iPod. While, like, Kirsten Dunst's voice... Like because she, she
11: made him a CD, so now we get to listen to him listen to the CD yeah, she, she made. Yeah, she made
4: him a mix CD, I guess. And so he's driving on listening to her mix CD as she narrates why these songs are great and important. And you're sitting there in the theater realizing, like, what is the song to accompany the sound of Cameron Crowe reaching into my wallet and taking $10 in two hours of my life?
2: Jesus.
0: But you have to say, that opening montage, I had chills watching that. Um, yeah, the credit sequence. When, yeah, and the opening. times they were changing. Like, yeah. the way that was shot, like how it was like moving pictures, but they're three-dimensional. Yeah. Holy God. And I am so in love with, what's his name? Uh... Oh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the guy who plays. Oh the yes! Holy Mother of God, that is one of the most beautiful men that has ever walked
11: the planet. He's, he's wonderful, and he's had a, a great couple of years. He was uh, he was the the hot boyfriend who died on Grey's Anatomy, and he
0: was in uh, P.S. I Love You. He played like the hot mm-hmm. Irish hunk. That yeah, he said he was wonderful. in P.S. I Love You. I love that movie. <laughs>
4: Fair enough. All right. Uh, so, I don't know, should we save, and we'll probably draw this to a uh, close here, and, and we'll do it again next week when the movie's actually kind of open, but do we want to go around and do a general, general assessments, general summations on the Watchmen experience? Sure. Sarah?
0: Can you hit the spoiler thing again? Oh, I'm sorry.
4: We'll do, uh, we'll do kind of, a uh, general. <coughs> oh, right, all right.
0: I wanted to see Tentacles. I'm sorry. I wanted to see Tentacles, and I think that the way that they did it, the storyline worked really well, but... That's just it. Octopi scare the crap out of me. I was really excited to see like this this ridiculous creature. Didn't see it. I was entertained the entire time. It was three hours. Felt like it went by in like an hour. Um, and yeah, the 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 everyone was just so pretty in it. But I cannot. The guy who played uh, Night Owl. Yeah. I just can't separate. And this is just my own personal thing. Him from um, being the pedophile in
4: Hard Candy. In Hard Candy, and he looks like Dan Hanico from Paladin. Yeah. Bridge. I just don't
0: find him very attractive. But I thought the whole story was neat. The way that. that it, from comic book to picture, I think that it did a really good job. I mean, my God, like some of them are just like scene for scene from
4: the book. A lot of them are absolute remakes of panels from the book. Uh, I would say this, by the way, and uh, those of you who have been reading like the progress of this movie on Ain't It Cool or whatever, you will appreciate this because I told Jason Crump and Aaron Duran this story yesterday before Sarah got to the uh, theater, when I think you were out at the – yeah, I don't know, you were going to the bathroom or something, and I was talking to Jason and Aaron, I said, I said, say, so, um, uh, so Sarah called me about 20 minutes ago. Cause Sarah had gone home and she'd raced through the book. She wanted to finish the book before she went to the movie. And Sarah calls me uh, as I'm on my way to the theater. She's like, "Hey, so I'm at the theater. You know, I'll meet you. I just finished the book. It's fantastic. I can't wait to see how they do that squid." And I, and I said, and I made a noise like, "Well," and she said, "What?" And I said, "Well." Sarah, do you want to know what I know <laughs> or think, not?
2: You have to ask me twice.
0: <laughs> yeah,
4: and I made her. I said, I said, if you want to know what I know about the movie in the end, you got to ask me twice, so you can't claim that you like inadvertently learned. And she, she goes, no, 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 I don't want to know. I'll be surprised. And I said, okay. And I told Jason and Aaron, and they went, well, okay. And we got to the end of the movie, and surprise, Don Taylor. Um,
11: I think uh, my first thought is that since people kept saying for years that it was unfilmable, the fact that they delivered it pretty much intact to the screen at all is sort of amazing you know just the fact it was done uh that said um one of the th- movies that i kept thinking of while i was watching it was chris columbus's uh harry potter movies right where it's like he you got that sense he was so afraid to deviate from the text right. that he ended up not injecting any real heart vitality into it any yeah. real vitality um there were a couple of small changes that don't really have the time to go into right now, but a couple of small changes that I thought actually removed a little bit of the humanity from the story that was absolutely necessary. Um, and the one thing that really disappointed me about it is, um, if I can do this as briefly as possible, there are two scenes in two things in the book that, to me personally, were just heart-wrenchingly effective. And one spoiler alert: Do you want wait, to wait? Hold on. <laughs> And this is a spoiler more for the book, is uh, the death of Hollis, right. the original mm-hmm. Night Owl. It's right. just a horrible, horrible scene. But also part of it is that you've gotten to know him. You've read his biography as excerpts from his book, Under the Hood. You know his background. You know his story. And then when he's killed in such a ridiculous, brutal, senseless way, it's it's horrible. And it's very effective. Not in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the actual ultimate culmination, the the slaughter of of humanity, basically, if you will, that happens. The the big the big devastation that happens in the story, it only happens to New York. Right. And there is a panel when when it is revealed that this has happened. Uh, there's a panel in the book that just shows the devastation Mm. and the bodies littered in the street.
0: I I was missing the bodies. And it's horrible.
11: And, well, this is one of the problems I find with most action movies today and even, like, R-rated movies. You can show bones breaking. You can show splatter. You can show blood all you want when you're killing faceless bad guys. But it comes to something like this. What do they do? They spread it throughout the entire world. You see it as a big CGI special effect from far away. And they dissolve, they disintegrate the bodies. Mm -hmm. There's no consequences to the violence. And therefore, I don't feel anything. I felt nothing. And this is supposed to be like the moment when you go, oh, my God. And there was no, oh, my God, for me, because it was all, like, look look at the fancy special effect. Look at the disintegration. Is yeah. Yeah, now
0: that you were like that, it does kind of seem like a cop-out.
4: Sarah, by the way, also, I know, also, speaking of, of, of details, both big and small, fix it on the fact that Lori doesn't smoke. They, uh...
0: Seriously, because that's, <laughs> yeah. that's why she. So That's how she touches, touches the, the fire. fire. I know, and then lights it on fire. And I'm just like, it bugs me because it's such a big part in her character in the movie. And like, oh, oh, heaven forbid
11: somebody's a smoker on screen. Well, and also, if I could just... Do we have and then a we Yeah, and
4: we'll break right after this.
11: Okay. Um, and also, as far as sucking the humanity out of it, Laurie, in the book on Laurie <laughs> leaves uh, Doctor Manhattan because he's a creature out of space and time. Mm-hmm. He knows everything that's going to happen in their relationship before it happens, and he has no problem with actually letting her know that. And she just ca- and she is essentially and they don't address this in the movie. She's essentially a prostitute at this point. Yeah, Maybe she's he, just there to entertain him sexually. Yeah, she's there to keep him happy while he's working for the government, and that is completely. Tossed aside. We don't get that. So now, in the in the movie, she leaves him because you know he's just not that into her anymore.
4: I'm hoping if you keep ranting like this, that you'll sweat just enough <laughs> for the shirt to work.
11: Oh my god! Yeah. Creepy,
4: right? right? And
11: then and, and then with with Laurie and Night Owl, uh, one of the best things about their relationship is the perversity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think were we all talking about that yeah. after the show? Yeah, yeah. The, And the, they the just humping. completely glossed over that.
4: No, because what? Just, well, you got that Leonard Cohen song to play?
0: <laughs> Instead, it's just naked thrusting and. <laughs>
4: We'll be back after this. We will begin the News Hour. The spoiler section has ended. Thus end the spoilers for Watchmen. Uh, We'll do much more discussion of this as the movie opens. Uh, Friday, we'll talk much more about it. uh, Monday and Tuesday, some of that with uh, Don Taylor this time next week. So we'll come back. We will start the News Hour. Later on, Jim Root, more of your phone calls and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
2: There was a time.
4: Alright, it is the Rick Emerson radio program We have now entered the Watchmen free portion of the program So we'll
11: We're done
4: Well, oh, This is like in the uh, the Oscars Where they ask you to hold your applause to the end Because otherwise everybody notices you're not applauding For the actors who died last year that you don't remember We're going to hold all of our other Watchmen observations Until at least Friday when Aaron Duran comes in He'll be reviewing it for geekinthecity.com all right, it's 503 733 Five oh three seven three three two nine seventy. Um uh, See, I I feel like I just have to delete all of these emails now uh, suggesting that Sarah do that thing of hosing out her nose. Because Dawn tried to mention it. When mm-hmm. she <laughs> first came in, Dawn's like, let me tell you about a thing called a neti pot. Nope. It was like Sarah immediately just uh, it, it, it just uh, it made it clear that that was not going to be happening, and then it all turned awkward. Well, I,
11: I will I will say this: that if yours gets to be your sinus infection gets to be as bad as mine was last year, where the whole side of your face feels hot and throbbing, and your head hurts, you will try anything to make it go away. I didn't think I would want to do that either. It's like waterboard myself. In no, the I can't. No. Like, just
0: thinking <laughs> about that just is the grossest thing to me. There's there's a well. There's, a, I guess I have a, there's a point. Yeah.
11: There's, yeah, a, there's threshold. a point. When, when you blow your nose and there's a large popping sound and uh, something out uh-huh. of the X-Files comes <laughs> out, you will say, you know what, I think I'll try that, that water thing.
4: That's fantastic. You feel like Felicity Huffman in that episode of the North Pole where there's like the mealworms coming out of everywhere? <laughs> well, you had one of these things. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, well, I didn't, well, see, I didn't use that. Well, let me ask you this. What is the difference between that thing? And just that big uh, bottle of saline, you get, like, a, a Safeway. Because that's what she told me to get. Like, because I went to the hospital, and the doctor actually, I was talking about this er, in the first hour, where I went, and I'm like, oh, I got all this, uh, you know, I got this big headache. And she gave me the whole thing, and she, like, had me look at lights, and then she had me, like, sloshed my head back and forth. She goes, is there watery sounds inside? And I said, are there ever? And she came to the c- conclusion that I had a sinus infection, and I didn't have insurance. And she said, well, look, I can I give you some of this medication so I can expect it and it'll help, like, everything kind of uh, uh, flow out or whatever. What are you bringing us, Richie? Giant muffins. <gasps> are what they d- Costco muffins? Richie, what are you what are you bringing us? Uh, Richie's you, just walked into the Mrs. studio. Mrs. Rambo. With... Oh, this is Andy, the homeschool kid's mom. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, my
0: his... God. She
4: brought us... I am uh... so
0: eating a chocolate chocolate chip muffin. She
4: bought us Costco muffins. All right.
0: Thank you, Mrs. Rambo.
4: Thank you. All right. It was Andy, the homeschool kid's 18th birthday, and so we... uh or is tomorrow, so we, we all signed like, a thing for him. And so his mom has dropped off muffins for us, because mm. she knows that the way to our heart is fat and cholesterol and <laughs> caloric goodness. Um, well, some things
0: are just worth it. Costco chocolate chocolate chip muffins are definitely worth it. I'm going to throw it in the microwave for, like, 20 seconds.
4: So I'm sitting there in the doctor's <laughs> office, but uh, she's like, I can either give you these – she's like, I can give you this medication that will uh, sort of – again, it's like an expectorant for your lungs uh, where you, like, you know, hack stuff up. Uh, she's like, Or, you know, she's like, that's real pricey, and you don't have insurance. Or you could just go to the store. And she's like, you buy it, and I think it was called Ocean was the brand I bought, but it's yeah. all the same. It's just saline water. She goes, the thing, and then you just like, you know, stick it in your nose and you squeeze it and she's like, blah, blah, blah. And like it'll let you know, like blow everything out. And, I'm, and I was like, well, okay, it's cheaper and boy, my head hurts. And I thought it was, I mean, I had the whole same thing of like, oh, it's just going to be weird and painful and I couldn't possibly do it. But I think I reached the breaking point where one day I, it, my head hurt so badly that as I was walking down the hallway... At work, every step that I took, as my foot would hit the ground, it would kind of resonate up into my body, and I'd kind of go, ugh, and it just sort of was causing this weird, uh, vibrating, throbbing pain. And I was like, that is it. I cannot do this one more day. So, But what is the difference between that stuff and, like, the... Like, no. the netting pot looks like a tea kettle yeah, it's like, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a
11: little tiny teapot sort of thing. And, yeah, you use um, lukewarm water, and you can buy little packets of stuff, but really all it is is very, very fine sea salt. So you're just basically making a saline solution. So you can do, so you can do it at yeah.
4: home with a water pick.
11: Mm-hmm. And then with the, with the little pot, you, rather than squeeze it in, and you, you tilt your head over the sink and you <laughs> like put you, it in the side. Do you size. feel water going into your face? Kind of. It's well. It's all it is is the sensation of if you're swimming underwater and you get a little water up your nose. That
0: horrible feeling.
11: Okay. You have a horrible feeling now. But a sinus infection is an even worse feeling. It's <laughs> not like it's a field full of daisies and I'll today. It's one of those things that you can get used to. Honest to God, you can. And I, I, I've been using this thing for a year, and I do it. I use it a f- couple of times a week, and I've had almost no colds all year. Uh, as soon as I got sniffly last week and started feeling sick, I, I did it a few times, and my cold actually only lasted a few days. It actually cool. went away a lot faster. So, Sarah, what
4: Don's saying is that it might be painful or uncomfortable the first time you do it, but if you do it often enough yeah. and just learn to relax, it can actually be yeah. uh, less painful, and some people might find it enjoyable.
11: Just am sure so many things Just, just like close that. your eyes and think of Jesus.
4: So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Jesus needs to trim his fingernails. <laughs> all right. This email says, "Can you make today's show sexier? With all the talk of sex and owls and Watchmen and Sarah's mucus-filled face, the only way the show could be hotter is if we talk about octomoms and some double womb breeders. Come on now." All right. Uh, shall we begin the uh, news portion here, and then we'll, we'll get some to these calls and events? Ladies and gentlemen, make way for the news, won't you? We... And now, from the CBS Radio Center in
1: downtown Portland, this is the news.
11: Businessweek.com has deemed Portland the unhappiest city in America. Hooray! Uh, They did uh, run an article entitled, Recession Takes Its Emotional Toll on Cities, and presented a ranking of the 20th unhappiest cities in America, and Portland came out number one. Uh, according to our ranking, Portlanders are even more unhappy than those living in Detroit, Las Vegas, and New Orleans. See, now that's just
4: that's just piling on right there. That's just spiking the football when they're saying they have to point at the end. That means you're unhappier than Detroit. What were the others? Detroit where? New Orleans.
11: We're, we're more unhappy, apparently, than New Orleans. And,
4: you know. Is there some sort of... Uh... Like, what are the variables for this? Is there some sort of breakdown of how they arrived at this conclusion? Well,
11: they measured did a a breakdown measuring uh, suicide and depression rates Uh, and then also giving emphasis uh, to crime and economic factors. Um, Basically, I guess what put us over the top was a 71% year-to-year jump in calls to our suicide and drug and alcohol helpline. And I'm thinking, well, that could just be because maybe they started doing a better job of advertising the suicide helpline or something. Well, and I mean, you've got to
4: figure that that's probably a, a, like a, good, a good sign in some way, because it means maybe people are calling the suicide hotline as opposed to just going, well, that's it for me, where's my gun? Uh, and then, you know, which doesn't always get reported, and then those stats are sometimes misleading. I mean, you've got to be number one at something, I suppose. So, I mean,
11: any port in a storm. And, and here also, uh, cities were ranked based on their rates of suicide, depression, divorce, unemployment, job loss, Population loss, crime, amount of green space, and cloudy days.
4: Oh well, there you go. So that so, is, you know what it is—that's uh, that's that's where it blows the curve right there. That's like you—that's like your math scores are terrible, but you score a perfect eight hundred or something on your language, and so you know, it makes it look like you're smarter than you are. That's totally what that's And
11: i and I'll say this: I I grew up in a very sunny climate. I grew up in Southern California, and um, I moved here because of the weather. I always really liked rain. I I had enough just constant sunshine to last me the rest of my life, and I love the weather. I'm
4: so tired of it being sunny and warm all the time.
11: Well, it does get to be a little... There's pressure. There's pressure involved in it being sunny. What are you
4: doing to your microphone? Oh, can you hear it? Yes. I'm sorry. I was playing with the rubbery. Thing. There's like a... Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. And I was sort of thinking to myself, like, it's... It, see, now because all the talk of sinus infections, I'm thinking all the noises are inside my own head. <laughs> I'm thinking... So while you're talking about Los Angeles and the, 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 the weather and the rain, I'm thinking... What would be going on in my head that would be making a boom sound? Maybe something's come completely loose. You know, though, I will say this about living in Southern California is that it totally made me soft. Because, I mean, growing up in the Northwest and growing up in in Washington, you know, deserts are two things. They're really hot in the summer, and then they're unbelievably cold during the winter. So in Kennewick, you would just get all of this ice and snow, and it would just be terrible and miserable. And you walk out the door, and it's like somebody was slapping you in the face which was fine, and then I moved to, uh, you know, Utah was the same way. But having lived then years later in San Diego, before I moved here, I moved here and it was like immediately like, oh, I can't take it, This rain, and I became that guy for a while. For about the first six months, it took me to reacclimate. acclimate uh, I became the whiny guy who has moved here from California who's bitching about how it always seems to rain in this damn place.
11: Also, in Southern California, if it, if it dips down into the low 50s, everybody starts bundling up with scarves and sweaters because it's so cold.
4: Dude, not even in the low 50s. I've told the story about working at a 7-Eleven and the dip below, like, seventy one night, and a guy came in to buy a Duraflame log, comes in, <laughs> this guy, he comes in, and he's, you know, he's, and he's wearing a sweater, he comes in and he's like, oh, do you have any Duraflame logs? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe, like, over there somewhere, and he goes, and he gets like two of them, and he comes up, and he goes, and I said, okay, that'll be $10 or whatever, and he puts it down, and I, and I asked him just out of curiosity, I said, if you don't mind me... uh Making this query, sir, why why are you buying two Duraflame logs? It's like, and he goes, because it's so cold. And he just ran to the car and flitted away into the night. So, all right, here's Don Taylor.
11: A publicist for Rod Blagojevich. I can never say this name. Blagojevich. 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 A publicist for Rod Blagojevich says the former Illinois governor plans to write a book exposing the dark side of politics. Fantastic. Uh, Glenn Selig says Blagojevich signed a six-figure deal on Monday. Yay for America. Well, let's I... let's let's. Reward him further.
4: You know, if one can make money uh, doing that, then I am all for one making that money. It
11: is a, the American dream. I, I like that guy. You were mentioning the uh, Joe the Plumber thing yes. earlier, though, and I will say this. I will bet cash money that he did not actually write a book. Oh, his name may be on it.
4: Are you implying that Joe the Plumber might not be bright enough to create an entire work out of out whole cloth?
11: Look how fast he wrote that book, really. He he wrote a book.
4: I Well, you know that there there's those... It's like those uh, services they used to have where you could just, like, send in your poetry and they would have a guy, like, (laughs) sing it over some terrible backing music and then they'd send it back, look, I I wrote me an album, or whatever. I just sort of take it as read that when you reach a certain level of fame, that they will, you know, like, as part of that, like, when you you negotiate your your contract with Paramount Pictures or whatever – like, with that comes, like, you know, you get the private trailer and, like, you get a, you know, like a gold-fringed bathtub or something, and, you know, like a masseuse, and then also, like, and here's a guy who will write your book for you. Yeah. I just, it's like a door prize to a certain kind of celebrity.
11: Well, the, yeah, and the thing is, whenever you see the name, like, above the title, like, William Shatner's Tech War. Totally. Or written written by this guy with so-and-so, it's like, you just go, yeah, you didn't
4: write Apparently, if you read, like, Brian Wilson's book, uh, that book, uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice, which is, you know, Brian Wilson with Todd Gold, and Brian Wilson has said on numerous occasions since the book came out, he's like, nobody even told me I was writing a book or that my name was going to be on one. Like, it wasn't even where... Because sometimes I think the deal is you get somebody who maybe has led an interesting life, has a lot of stories, not really so much in the writing department because they're different skills, but who just sort of sits and talks to the guy, and the guy will then fashion it into a narrative of his life. Um, and I think the deal with, with Brian Wilson, though, is, like, nobody even told him. I think they just got this Todd Gold guy... <laughs> <laughs> who just went and combed through a bunch of old interviews and then just, like, made stuff up, apparently, and then fashioned it all into a book. And Brian tells some story. I don't think he was...
11: Brian won't know the difference.
4: Well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, right? he's, you, don't, like he's, you know, he's at home, like, picking at his scabs and barking like a, like a dog. You know, he, you know, I think they just banked on the fact that he was going to get sicker and sicker and sicker and then just be dead, and, like, they'd never have to explain it. And I don't think it was as bad as him, like, walking into the store and seeing it on sale, but I do think that Brian Wilson said he was doing an interview, like a radio show at one point. And somebody said, "Well, it says here, says here in your book, Brian." And they opened it up, and Brian was like, "What's that?" And it, you know, it's that book you wrote in 1991. Look, it's got your name on it. And he was just like, "I don't, I didn't do that," or whatever. And it just—it was one of those things that Eugene Landy put together, like, kind of because he thought it was a good idea. So, all right, Don Taylor at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen.
11: Well, anyway, uh, Blagojevich did apparently sign a six-figure deal for his book. It will detail how he selected Barack Obama's successor in the U.S. Senate, uh, and he—the Selig says that. The book will tell the truth and will reveal information quote that will at times be embarrassing to himself
4: as well as to others. <laughs> he looks or like the a, country uh, or to us all as humans really? He looks like one of those guys who would be on the A team, not the primary villain, <laughs> but the besport coded sidekicks. Like the sort of schlumpy, you know, henchman of the villain on the A-team. And those are the guys who are like, uh, you know, there's like the machine gun fire and then the truck inexplicably like backflips through the air and then they like pull themselves out of it, dusting themselves off in time for the man to come arrest them. He looks like one of those guys, always with the bad golf shirt, jeans, and then like the blazer over the top of it. But
11: he looks like he looks like um, every horrible salesman I've ever met. Yes. You know, there Yes, he does, Don. (laughs) As a salesman walks in the there, there are terrific salesmen and there are salespeople who do their jobs really well. But we all know the type that there's the guy, whatever area of sales he is in, who has you know the the ill-fitting shirt with the the maroon tie and the hair combed down over there. And the minute he starts talking to you, you know you can't believe a single <laughs> word he says.
4: No, no, no. This uh, this is a package that fits your needs absolutely. This has been put together with your business in mind, Don Taylor. We are going to increase your revenue revenue stream, and we are going to monetize the ancillary forms of income for you and for your product.
11: Except he does it with that accent, which makes it even better.
4: Totally. No, we're just. No, uh, I
11: was uh, I was not uh, doing anything wrong. You... I did nothing. They just they took it all out of context. And... That's all I have to say.
4: And you could just instinctively just distrust every single thing he says. Also, this, and then we'll take a break. I feel like this about Rod Blagojevich, they ought to put together some sort of gift package that you can uh, buy and send to people that is media products put out by disgraced, schlumpy guys. So there would be like this. There would be that porn film that John Wade Bobbitt made, uh, mm. Frank and Penis, I think it was called.
11: OJ's How I Would Have Done It. OJ's I, How I, I Did how, It. Yeah, How I Did totally.
4: It. Totally. Um, let's see. Or was it if I Did It? No, it was If I Did It. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't even how, remember. Yeah. We completely I don't think it
0: was how I did it. Flushed it
4: out of our temp file, but <laughs> if I would have done it, but, the, but the, <laughs> if
11: I would have done, oh, done, you right. know, and then
4: like Tanya Harding is sort of an honorary schlumpy guy, and she has that record that she put out a couple years ago where she's singing. So you just put that all into one sort of like uh, faded artifacts of American pop culture gift set, and you could have a mall store. Devoted to totally, this. as seen on as seen on a mugshot, uh, and then you just and then guys like Chris Paddock and I buy it for all of our relatives for Christmas who look at it and go, ah, that's great, and then they give it to Goodwill. So, uh, well, let's see. Well, let's take a break here. We'll come back uh, around the corner more with Don Taylor. Your phone calls coming up later on. Jim Roop and uh, I believe we have a uh, geek watch to get through today, as well as uh, there's something else. There's some other watch. There's a Jackson watch. We have a Jackson watch. That's right. That's all on the way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere.
12: With you.
2: And if I got up the i be
4: down. Got up Don's slowly making her way down the hallway
0: with the
4: muffins in the kitchen? Yes, I made her chase the muffins down <laughs> the hall into the kitchen.
0: That's what I was thinking, because she was
4: trying to turn them yeah. a muffin in the kitchen. Okay, I, I was just going to say, just so everybody knows what we're talking about. So, Andy the homeschool kid's mom uh, dropped off some Costco muffins. Uh, which are fantastic, and so everybody kind of got a muffin, and they're like, okay, you know what? We're gonna for now, we're gonna put the rest of these in the kitchen because otherwise, we're just gonna sit here and just consume the entire pallet of muffins. is a bad idea.
0: So, I allow myself one Costco muffin a year, and so, this is it. So Ooh.
4: Sarah has one, Dawn has one, and then I say very clearly to Dawn, I say, so uh, I'm gonna go probably stick these in the kitchen for now. Do you want another one? And she says no. And I said, okay, great. So I go and I put them in the kitchen, and the next thing I know, as I'm walking back to the studio, Dawn is sort of uh, lurching past me in the hallway. <laughs> Toward the kitchen, and I, I mean, I, don't, I suppose I'm breaking any trade secrets, say that uh, Dawn uh, has a cane that she uses, and so she's sort of like sticking her way by me in the kitchen, and Sarah says... Did you make Dawn go into the kitchen to fetch a muffin? And I said, <laughs>
0: Are you making her
11: chase the muffin? I don't really
4: know. And so then I had all this weird guilt about it. So you were getting coffee. I
11: was getting coffee. All right.
4: So I thought for a minute like I didn't inadvertently that set that up Donald's some sort be of a muffin
11: sister. These sugar, <laughs> sugar-free viso will is
4: not the correct beverage to go with a muffin. No,
11: <laughs> absolutely not. That's
0: why I had to get some water and some coffee too. I
4: want to make sure I hadn't inadvertently set up some sort of Olympic challenge <laughs> for you.
11: <laughs> yes, I was coming. By. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the muffin special Olympics. I'm coming by. You go, is, give me, oh please, please, Mr. Emerson, please, can I have a muffin? <laughs> I i treated like everybody else. Right. Oh, my God. I just put this muffin in the um,
0: microwave for 40 seconds. It is magical. Is it like manna? Mm-hmm. It's nice. like all, like, melty,
4: chocolatey chips in the middle. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you? Hey, Rick. What's up?
5: You mentioned the fact that... Uh they were going to eventually make a movie about vampires in Alaska in some remote part?
4: Uh, well, I think we. The, I was saying that they ought to make, uh, some sort of like, uh, a, a film based in Juneau because there are no roads in or out. And somebody said zombies. And then I was referencing that like 30 Days of Night or whatever that vampire film was
9: yeah I didn't know if he had forgotten that you'd seen that or not
4: I never actually saw it Aaron uh, had good things to say about it but I do have to say that he's somewhat of the minority the reviews were very middling uh, on that film so I don't know if it was actually did you see it?
13: Yeah, it's a
9: really
0: good movie, and
9: there's a lot of
0: gore in it. Right. Well, I, I liked it quite a bit. What do you mean, 30, 30 Days of Night? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it, too. I
4: liked it. Yeah, good American horror films are hard to find. I mean, usually horror films made in America are pretty toothless, so uh, I'll put it, in, as I say, I'll put it on my Netflix queue, sir. Uh, one
5: other thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, something else for you to fear while you're driving. Uh, my mom was driving down I-5, and a sheet of plywood came up top <laughs> of one of those uh, flatbed trucks. Uh-huh and clips her rear view, or her side mirror.
4: Uh, see, mm. this is how the audience shows their love, calling them and giving me lists of things that I can be afraid of, things that they've seen while scuba diving, things that they've found lurking at the bottom of a, you know, like a, a, a bowl after they've eaten something, things that came off a truck in front of them and nearly beheaded their sister.
5: All right, plywood. If, uh. if you like those uh, muffins warm, you should try frozen. All
11: right,
4: thank you, sir.
5: Mm.
11: All right, yep. there you go. All right. How does that make sense? I don't if you know. like it warm, freeze it. It doesn't make
4: any <laughs> sense at all. But we're all going to nod and smile and pretend that it absolutely resonated with us. All right, here's Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen.
11: We have a Jackson watch.
4: Here's your Jackson watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Don't let the sun go down on me. Are you eating your muffin with a fork?
2: makes Sorry. it last
4: longer. <laughs> so it's not, it has nothing to do with tidiness or cleanliness or being neat. It's so that you can elongate the muffin-eating experience. I am enjoying my one-cocked muffin of the year. Good for you. Glorious. Here's Don Taylor with your Jackson watch.
11: Well, the 50-year-old Michael Jackson. Take a moment for that to soak in. But the 50-year-old Michael
4: Jackson. That doesn't even mean anything because there's so many layers of deception there. A, I assume everybody in show business is lying about their age anyway. So even if you assume he's 55, that only really works... With somebody whose uh, just appearance hasn't been so unbelievably drastically altered, like we were talking about Joan Rivers. No, wait, was, how old
11: is Joan Rivers? No idea. That's true. Michael Jackson at this point is literally ageless.
4: I mean, yeah, there's just no, there is no way to ascribe any sort of age to him, just like with Priscilla Presley. We uh, saw her on Larry King when they were talking about it, you know, would have been the King's 74th birthday, and she looks younger than she did when she was in like Naked Gun with Leslie Nielsen but also you know as sort of a yin to that yang uh, has like a trout mouth and looks like a totally different person so she looks like she's speaking through some sort of flesh colored mask of someone else
0: some like or like one of those like clear weird masks
4: yes like, like that had like the painted on the eyeshadow totally that or like what if you Laura if you took like Lisa Marie Presley and made like a real doll out of Lisa Marie Presley But then just cut the face off and put it on Priscilla Presley. But had her talking for. That's kind of what it looks like. It's exactly like that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Don.
11: Well, Michael Jackson plans to end his exile as a live performer by staging a number of concerts at London's O2 Arena in one of the biggest comebacks in pop history. The first dates of the concerts will be confirmed at a news conference on Thursday at the O2 Arena. He will appear in person to make a... Special announcement, his spokeswoman confirmed. And I don't know about you, but... Reading those words just sends
4: a chill through me. special announcement. Come out to my room and we're going to have a special announcement, mate.
11: He last appeared in London at the World Music Awards in 2006, where he was only able to mime to a few bars of We Are the World before leaving the stage. Whoa. That's that's fantastic. And when he appeared in public in Las Vegas just before his 50th birthday in August, he looked weaker than ever. He was wearing pajama trousers (laughs) and appeared gaunt and frail. He put the little round object in his mouth. (laughs) <laughs> it was delicious.
4: So deeply disturbing.
11: It <laughs> delights me every so, time. So unnerving,
4: just the, just the deepest, darkest way. Um, I don't even I don't even know where to begin. Um, I guess this is the point where, as a radio host, I'm supposed to do like some sort of like asking the audience. So uh, let me ask you: uh, the question is, if it, does anybody really care about Michael Jackson? Would, would you, uh, uh, caller, would you pay to see Michael Jackson? And I. And just thinking about it just makes me tired because it seems like I've asked that question like a hundred times because we've heard this story like a hundred different times where he's staging, which I think is the new thing, right? Where you stage – like you just do one comeback after another, yeah. and if they don't work, you keep doing it until one sparks. And if they do work, you keep doing them until they stop working, and then you finally quit. But at this point, there was a time – I mean, look, you're, you're listening to a man. I mean, I paid a fair amount of money for Britney Spears tickets uh, that what I'm going to be using a fair amount is? I think I actually said on the air. I think they were they were not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. They were like ninety bucks each. So, so I paid like uh, like two hundred bucks for a pair of tickets to see Britney Spears. But
0: which is going to be awesome? Which is going to be righteous? Will you get me a Britney Spears t-shirt?
4: I suppose I will. If I pay
0: you back. Will you get yes. me a
11: Britney Spears snow globe?
4: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, the. I will bring you not only that. Here's what I'll do. I will take a photograph of the merch. I will get a. I will get like a complete listing Excellent. of the merch. Because the merch is always really fascinating because it's mm-hmm. just the gaudiest, ugliest. And that's where like so much of that money is made. I remember going to see, and this is years ago, going to see Barry Manilow. And Manilow, God love him. And I really do. I'm a, I'm a Barry Manilow fan. But that is a guy who has learned to soak the audience for every cent. I mean, just those idiot Edie McClurg women. You just get every dime you can out of them. They all look like... Um, they all look like that woman who was the who was the uh, second housekeeper on different strokes, Pearl. That woman, which is to say they all kind of look like Lulu Hogg from the Dukes of Hazzard. Barry Manilow's fans, like 90% of them, they fall into that female archetype, and they will just buy anything that has his name or signature on it. Such as, there was this keychain there that I swear to God, and this is in like 1993 dollars, it was like a Barry Manilow keychain. They were selling for $25, and, like, like it wasn't even a good keychain. It was like the, the, like the kind they used to sell at Sam Goody, where it was like a piece of plastic that had, like, a Motley Crue, like a, it was like a piece of paper jammed in the middle. It's a Metallica in big letters or whatever. Um, So the merch table is fascinating. So uh, I paid, like, 200 bucks for the Britney Spears ticket, which is great because it's at the MGM in Vegas. So it's just, like, even if the concert itself is terrible, it'll still be great. I mean, it's just, uh, even if it absolutely blows, it'll still be wonderful. So that is coming up in April. But, like, Michael Jackson, I cannot imagine at this point what would coax my wallet open for any amount of money to see that guy perform at this and point.
11: you know those those tickets are going to be outlandishly
4: totally. expensive,
11: just mm-hmm. insanely expensive.
4: Because for every guy like Michael Jackson, there is some guy, some, some Blagojevich-type guy, who is lurking on the perimeter, who sees, like, this is his chance to kind of make his name and, you know, and to, to make the big pile of dough. Uh, and they're just there going, no, 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 uh, you remember, you know, everybody loves thriller. We'll, uh, uh, we will have you, uh, let's see, we'll have you perform thriller, uh, in its entirety, uh, with, uh, Buster Rhymes. No, 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 not Buster Rhymes, uh, Leanne Rhymes. No, 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 uh, Rhymes. One of
11: those American Idol kids. <laughs> just get one of them. Kelly
4: Pickler. How do you feel about Pickler? No, Justin Guarini. <laughs> we can get Justin Guarini for 10% of the gate. Uh, and they'll just keep doing it over and over and over again until they find something that works. And with Michael Jackson like it, like Thriller is like that's the thing that is the whole linchpin there because he can keep pointing to that as you know it's the most successful album of all time and keep milking it out in sort of different incarnations like they're doing some stage production of Thriller we read the other day so well, I, just, I
11: think um considering the tickets may be like you too expensive like you're talking like $250 a ticket some and I would pay that if it enabled me to like go back in time to see Michael Jackson, circa Thriller, I would, that
4: would be worth two hundred and fifty dollars. I'd settle for this. I'd settle for I'd settle for being able to go backstage and to be able to get within like five feet of him. Like if I could, I'd pay two hundred and fifty dollars. I, you know what? I would go so far as to say this. I'd pay five hundred dollars if it included, even if it was just like in a rope line where like he walks by and he's there for like he's in front of me for like three seconds. I'd pay five hundred bucks for the chance that like as close as I'm to you guys right now. I would pay five hundred bucks for the chance to be that close to Michael Jackson, just because I want to see the horror with my own eyes. Like, but you know, you'd be wearing some kind of veiled mask. Thing. No, 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 but there'd be a no mask rule. There be <laughs> no mask, and I don't want to have that uh, duct tape uh, jazz on his nose either. I mean, I want the whole—I want the face shown. <laughs> I want the full alien gray face on display right there.
11: Uh, in a in happier concert news, though, I will say this: um, I did read this morning, um, Spinal Tap.
4: Is touring. They are. And they're doing th- like an unwigged.
11: Unwigged and unplugged. Yes. They're going to be playing songs from uh, the two Spinal Tap albums and uh, A Mighty Wind. And they're starting their tour in Portland. Fantastic. You <gasps> know, T- tickets go on sale Friday, and I went on Ticketmaster to try and find out how much they were. And being Ticketmaster's like, oh, well, these haven't gone on sale yet, so you can't find out how much they actually cost. Uh, Where
4: are they playing? Do you know? Uh, the Keller. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Excellent. I The last time Spinal Tap did a tour was in 1992 for the Break Like the Wind album. Uh, and they played the Paramount in Seattle, and I was supposed to go. One of many stories that ends this way, and then I had to work, and I couldn't. I was kind of a, I was like a part-time guy at that point, and somebody they made me come in at the last moment, so I couldn't go see Spinal Tap, which I have always regretted, uh, because I guess it was just a fantastic show. Because the great thing about Spinal Tap is those guys can really play. Uh, you know, they all kind of made the, the reason the film works so well is because they're all you know musicians. So I guess it was just, I guess it was a great show. And the thing about Spinal Tap, and then we'll wrap up this whole Jackson Watcher. The thing about Spinal Tap is that like the older they get the better the joke becomes they are that rare sort of sticky novelty act that the value of the humor actually increases as they age and look more and more ridiculous because they predicated the whole thing on spinal tap being so ludicrous looking and sounding and acting to begin with that there is no age at which it won't become funny you know as you know like there's like there's a certain point at which you just can't accept Mick Jagger sprinting around and acting like he's the devil. Uh, whereas with Spinal Tap, you know, that's just like a fine comedic wine.
11: Well, and all three of them too are just masters of comedy. Yes. They understand comedy. They're not like, they're not like. I think probably a lot like seeing Harvey Kerman right. know, come back out, you know, on tour with um Tim Tim Conway. Tim Conway. Yeah. Where it's like you know. They're not, like, trying to, like, do things exactly the same way when they were younger, and it's not working. I mean, these guys know who
4: they are, and they're they're just brilliant performers. And plus, it's not their, their day job. So, you know, they it's not like, you know, they don't have to just continually be out there milking it constantly. All right, there's your Jackson watch for uh, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you today? Rick, i got a question. Yes, sir. M-
10: Michael Jackson's been taken to, to court so many times for, you know, just innocently wink-wink uh sleeping with the children Wait, in his
4: bed. Hold on before you before you finish this. Is this uh is this observation going to end in a joke or one-liner? No, no. Okay, no just all. checking. All right, no. go ahead. He's been taken to court many times, yes.
7: Yeah, yeah. And then the
10: the, the last time uh, he the, the court actually found him guilty of, you know, um
2: you know,
4: and, uh, well, no, but that, but that was a, but not guilty. That was the thing. Oh, well, like he's you? never been found guilty of anything, has he? Well Jack was he even found guilty of giving the kid the the, the wine, the Jesus, Jesus juice? I don't know. I don't think he was. In fact, I think he was acquitted on all counts, if I remember correctly. Now, I get, doesn't that seem like a thing we ought to remember? Doesn't yeah. like it was a big deal. I don't think he was ever. I don't think Jackson's ever been convicted of anything. All right, I, but what, I, is your, what is your what is your
10: question, last sir? One he, he was, and that's why he uh, took off to Bahrain or whatever, wherever the hell he went.
4: I think he just took off because everybody here finds him creepy and scary, and also they were closing on his house. I think he came home and there was like one of those big pink things on the door. Like you because have 30 days to vacate. Totally, I think or they, they I, sold it actually. Well, I I, the
10: reason that they foreclosed on his house is because he had to pay like 40 billion dollars in in settlements or whatever.
4: I think he did settle out of court, maybe with a lot of with a lot of those uh, people who had made claims of it. But I don't think Jackson was ever convicted of anything. Because I think if he'd been convicted of anything, he would have. I mean, he would have done. He would have done time. And he's not like he's on the lamb or something. He's not Roman Polanski. But I, but I do think. Because wasn't that. In fact, I do remember, because the kid who was the accuser in, the, in that big Jackson case that we followed a couple of years ago, remember the mom turned out to be just like a nutcase? Uh, it turned yeah. out like the mom was like some shakedown artist, which is why I think he ended up not being convicted, if I remember correctly.
10: Okay, well then that answers my question. I was, I was going to ask if, if if he was convicted, then why is he not registered as a sex offender?
4: Yeah, because yeah, because he was well, he was certainly never convicted of that.
11: According to uh, Wikipedia, he actually ended up settling uh, with the family out
4: of court. Yeah. For so, twenty-two million dollars. Uh, okay. Yeah, so maybe he was wow. so he wasn't acquitted, but yeah, he was yeah, but he was never convicted of uh, of anything. So all right. all right, all right, thank you, sir. Thanks. All right. Uh, that hello. is creepy. I oh, can
0: get away with anything if you have money. Hey, Rick. Allegedly. Allegedly.
4: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
0: How
4: are you guys? Uh, We're dandy. What's up?
5: Hey, um, I I emailed you last week, and and I I loved how you pointed out that I was a dumbass, which I was, on the the, the killer clowns from outer space.
4: Uh, uh, Okay. Were you going to tell us what channel you were watching? How did I point out that Oh, oh, because you... Okay, this is the guy. Sorry. This is the guy ge-
5: I, I was a dumbass I forgot to put in the spec sh- what channel it was.
4: You called it but it was like killer clowns from Outer Space, the best thing I've ever seen or whatever. And then like forgot to mention actually what channel it was on because I was curious as to what channel would be playing Killer clowns. And so then you send in an email with everything except the actual channel, which I did make fun of. Yes, I apologize for that.
5: You no, know, I was, I was, I was slopping myself, but I, I did email you back and tell you which one it was.
4: Uh, I don't know if I might have missed it. What channel was it on, sir?
5: It was a channel called Chiller on, um, DirecTV. Or, yeah, DirecTV is like 245. Chiller? Or something. Chiller, right.
4: chiller like, like, it, like Freezer? Chiller?
5: Yeah, like Chiller, like C H I L Chiller.
4: And so this is, uh, wait, so did you say it's like a satellite thing or is it like a Comcast deal?
5: No, it's a satellite thing.
4: And is it all bad horror films? Yep. That is fantastic. What are some yep. of the other fine offerings that you've seen on that channel?
5: Oh, God, I can't even remember because I don't really watch it that often. There's they're just, um, like, ghost hunting stuff on there, bad sci-flight. Like, fantastic. You name Excellent. I also wanted to add about Alaska. I grew up in Petersburg, which is, like, the next town south of Juneau, mm-hmm. and any town in southeast Alaska, Juneau, Ketchikan, Sikha, all that. So they're all islands except for Juno, and there's no way to get in there but boat or plane. So I, there's people that are saying they uh, can drive there, it's, it's just another product of our modern education system.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, what it's the fault of the liberal media, sir. All yeah, right. yeah. All right. The Chiller Channel. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thank, sure you. Ever. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is really just a... It's a sublime work of art. It really is. It is just so... And it's got... I'm just going to say this. This is between uh, between you and me and the wall and everybody listening. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is... I mean, it has no... It doesn't make any aspirations to be in a great film. Like, it's a movie that... It's a movie that knows what it is. And mm-hmm. the Kyoto Brothers... Oh,
0: well, the title like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And
4: it's all with K's. Killer Clowns. And it's... Um, it's got two of the creepiest scenes, though. One I talked about uh, last week and this guy called up and he was... But the, the the girl's eating at, like, a fast food place, and there's the clown. It is nighttime, and the clown is outside uh, the fast food window, and he's doing, like, the finger curl, like the come here little girl thing, which is so creepy. There is this other sequence that happens about halfway through, and it's what's-his-name, John Vernon, I think, the guy who played Dean Wormer in Animal House. And he's he's, you know, he's a cop, and, of course, he's a drunk Irish cop, you know, and, of course, he's a drunk Irish cop who doesn't believe the kids when they tell those crazy stories... And, of course, he's the drunk Irish cop who doesn't believe the kids who tells those crazy stories, who in fact then runs into the clowns later on. There is the creepiest sequence where a clown has captured and killed him and then has jammed its hand into the back of his head and is using him like a, like a ventriloquist yes. dummy. Oh. It's so unbelievably terrifying. Because it's just a huge clown with these dead eyes, and he's got, like, a human, like, on his lap, and he's, like, using him like a ventriloquist. Du- oh, puppet. that's
0: wrong. Yeah. I have look like, up that on YouTube right now. And
4: he's put, like, big smudges oh. of blood on his cheeks, like rouge. It's, and you're watching this going, who are the people who made this film?
11: My favorite thing about that movie, though, is that the thought that went into the idea uh, of the concept, because yeah. they're, they're aliens. Yeah. And their spaceship looks like a big top. Yeah. And then they look like clowns, and their guns that they shoot you with cover you with cotton candy and smother you to death, kind of cocoon you in cotton, and they have vicious balloon dogs.
4: Yeah. You really got it, too. Oh, that is cool. I got it on
11: DVD. I'll bring
4: it in. Yeah, I got the special edition. It's righteous. (laughs) All right. Uh, Here's Dawn Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk.
11: Well, here we have a news item that's titled, that uh, says, Attention Dawn, big letters on top. <laughs> I think we pulled that during the week of uh, Valentine's Day, and we got to it. Well, it is a uh, piece from Red Book Magazine, and it's on the seven things that men really find romantic. Red Book Magazine, really? Red Book Magazine.
4: In my head, every time I picture Red Book, uh, Red Book Magazine, it's got, what's her name, Sharon Glass from Cagney and Lacey on the front of it. I don't know why. I don't even know. If, uh, Sharon Glass. probably dead, for all I know. But that seems like one of those magazines that, existed until about 1989 and then sort of ceased to exist, but apparently still around.
11: Redbook has always been interesting, though, because Red Book is known uh, for having excellent fiction. So even if the actual lifestyle articles are still really cheesy and, and sexist, uh, they have always published really excellent fiction. And getting published in Red Book is actually considered kind of a feather in your cap if you're a fiction
4: writer. Let me ask you this. Do you ever stand in the, and I know you do, stand in the checkout section of the supermarket and you're looking at the magazine rack? I mean, I am fascinated by the magazines that they choose to display right next to the cash register. Because it's not like, I mean, sometimes you have time in Newsweek or general interest magazines. But it's usually not. It's usually it's usually four things. It's Archie Comics, God magazines, soap opera stuff, well, five, tabloids, and then stuff for the fairer sex. And it's all like... Women's Week and like Family Circle and like Family Circle is the one that gets me because it's not it's not like you're in Salt Lake City or something. I mean, but who who is buying Family Circle at this point? Yeah, I can't imagine how that magazine is even profitable. I,
11: I think Family Circle must purely be sold to people who pick it up on their way through the checkout. line. Family women going, I got to get, oh, I got to have the Family
4: Circle. I Oh, circuit. look, five. No, 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 Family Circus yeah. is the cartoon uh, where it's got the creepy dead grandparents that yeah. are always... Uh, oh, yeah, you know, hovering look, around. ...looking down from heaven as Billy, like, learns how to toilet train himself. Yeah. Family
11: Circle is, is that magazine that always has, like, a picture of a, a casserole on the... <gasps> oh, oh, ...or a, or a, a okay. bunch cake. Yeah. yeah.
0: Kinda um, like Sunset Magazine or something.
11: It's all, exactly. No. It's, Sunset Magazine is actually pretty, pretty good.
4: It's, it's good. It's actually informational. I can I just share? Here's, here's a horrifying. Uh, I shouldn't even tell this because it's about my mother. Uh, <laughs> Mom, I love you. You're a saint. I almost don't want to tell the story, but now I have to. Now you yeah.
2: have to. Here's
4: why those women's magazines horrify me so much. They just, and I'm not talking about like Cosmo. Cosmo's a whole, Cosmo's a whole different thing. I'm talking about the sort of family, the family women's magazines that are for women who I would say because Cosmo was like, at least in its in, in its original incarnation, its conception was for the young swing. It's for the Sex and the City girl, right? It's for the twenty something single girl on the go, or the you know the thirty something girl who's still playing the field and trying to land a man and whatever. Um, but those older magazines, which is like Red Book, Women's Day, Women's World, Family uh, Family Circle. Um, I mean, there's probably there's probably dozens more. But they were all for the woman who I would say is like 35 and up, married, probably two kids. I would say tremendously unsatisfied in almost every uh, way and in every area of her life. Um, and who, who is one of those Betty Friedan women that just sits at home all day just taking Xanax and looking at the guy cutting the lawn, mm-hmm. you know, and wondering, uh, you know, whether she should just have an affair or just, uh, you know, like hang herself from the rafters. And then the new like Red Book comes and she goes, I don't know, maybe the answer is in here. So, I remember my mom having a copy of it might have been like it might have been red book, and i it was my parents had had their bathroom, and then we had the bathroom it was like for the kids and we were like we would I, I I had to go to my parents' bathroom for something or other, and it was like i was we were out of soap or whatever, and so I was like twelve thirteen and I walked into my parents' bathroom and this doesn't end as horrifyingly as that statement you know might sometimes lead you to believe it's going to end, but I walked into my parents' bathroom to get like whatever I had to get, and there was this Red Book magazine that was open on the counter uh, next to the sink, because my mom had apparently been perusing it, and it had been open to this page, and there was like an article that had been circled, and I will never forget how embarrassed I just felt for my mother and for all of us at this point, that she had circled this article, and it was about like... It was essentially just like uh like alluring hairstyles you could use to like you know bring the spice back to your relationship or something. Oh, but the but the name of the article and it was the abbreviation that made it so cringe-inducing for me. The name of the article was downright sexy do's like <laughs> apostrophe DOS. And I remember looking at that, and even like at 13, I, you know, you can't really conceive of a lot of the things about male-female relationships, especially in the adult world. But you don't want to
11: think about downright sexy dudes and your mom in I, the same time. Yeah, and I remember looking at it uh. thinking,
4: oh, that's so awful for reasons I can't even quantify, but know inherently to be true. So, I mean, that's... It, Whenever I see those, I just wonder who, who this sad, broken woman is uh, that's like pushing a shopping cart full of Huggies through the line and then buying that thing.
11: Well, I have an issue. I, I take issue right now with the number one thing that that men find really
4: romantic. Wait, so what is the article? It's seven. It's things seven that...
11: things men really find romantic. Do you no. tell us, Dante. Well, number one is dress up for him. And Wait, didn't you count down from seven? Well, I could. Do you uh, want me to spoil I suppose
4: it doesn't matter, but... I
11: don't know. But his, dress up for him. And the uh, expert that they're uh, speaking to you, says, consider dressing for his taste and not just yours once in a while. And but, all I can say is, as someone who has been in a relationship with a band for 10 years, who has had boyfriends and lovers before this, if you've ever looked at a man and said, what, what do you think I should wear? <laughs> and seen <laughs> dress me seeing the the hamster <laughs> the hamster roll in the wheel at his head and have him just uh, go i don't know it's like wh- I got what got some you cling
4: mean? film in the kitchen
11: Or just dress for his taste at the risk of sounding sexist and and, and generalizing men men don't really have taste when it comes to how women dress no a have... guy
0: know just flex on jeans t-shirt like Chuck yeah. Taylors,
11: or that's
4: some kind of... Thing know, at, at
11: most, they might come up with something like, a short skirt might be nice. But it's like, you know, dress for his taste. If you
4: dress for his taste, I mean, it really means that you're going to have, uh, like, khakis that make, you know, khakis that are unflattering, and then, like, a golf shirt that's two sizes too small yeah. that has some sort of a stain from a taco he had one time on the front of it.
11: Or, or it's just going to be, well, things find men men find really romantic. It's like the lingerie top. And well, like, yeah. It's like, like, put on that Sailor Moon outfit.
4: <laughs> oh, I... Will you put on these tentacle gloves? That would be fantastic. Uh,
11: yeah. Number two, by the way, is initiate physical affection. Is, so wear what they is want. Is that what we're calling it now? Them. Physical affection? Whether you're playing footsie under the table uh. or placing a hand on our shoulders while scooting behind our chairs, men find the touch of the woman they love unbelievably reassuring. So so it's really kind of like, like petting the autistic child <laughs> to, to make him feel calm. What else can we be doing? Is that what the kids daily? call it now?
4: They call it petting the autistic child. I'm sorry, I'll be back. I gotta go pet the autistic child. You know what I'm talking about. Rawr. Number three is
11: give him a night out with the boys, no strings attached. <gasps> now, I can see what? why men would appreciate that. Yeah, of course they'd appreciate but it. Romantic?
4: What is the male equivalent step? Is it marry a harpy? Is that marry a woman for whom, from whom you have to ask permission to have a social life? Well,
0: also, I just I, I'm trying what does to no strings attached mean. like <laughs> go and get a whatever from a lady. That is a good question. What yeah. is
4: it? And this is Red Book magazine. You said yes. So what does it mean? what is it give him a night out with the boys? Well, no strings, strings attached. To
11: quote, it says. It may seem odd to you the romantic gesture might not involve you at all, but dogs run with dogs, wolves run with wolves, and every so often guys just have to break away and run with the guys. Makes me want to
4: kill myself. Wow. The whole article is so horrifying. Uh,
11: number number four is tell him what a big, strong guy he is.
4: I would like to just say on behalf of my entire uh, gender, that please don't do any of these things. Don't do any. I don't even know what the others are yet. We got like two or three more. I, I I'm just going to preemptively for those. Don't do those things either, because guys find all of these things really embarrassing. And there's let me just say, There is nothing worse. There's nothing worse. And Cosmo. Speaking of Cosmo, Cosmo's the they are the absolute chief villains of this. Suggesting to the woman that if you need to inject some spice back into your love life, Cosmo are the ones who are always telling you to like sort of play act something. Where, like, you're like, he's a sailor on leave, and you're a woman of ill repute who's had one too many at the bar, and like, you're supposed to meet him in public in a trench coat with nothing underneath. Yeah, which is just sort of embarrassing and horrifying for all involved.
11: The, the, uh, Cosmo, How many more are there? There's two more. Cosmo is always fun to read uh, in the checkout line at the grocery store, by the way, if you are a couple, because it's always fun to pull it out and stand there in line and say, honey, is this something that would bring you immediately to orgasm? <laughs> and, and then you read out loud, and he's like, God, no! Don't ever do that.
4: <laughs> and every, by the way, every issue of Cosmo has exactly the same three articles on the front. One is about getting rid of problem body fat in some specific area of your person. Uh, the other one is an interview with some uh, hot celebrity girl where you find out she has problems just like you. And then the third one we might uh, charitably refer to here on the uh, air as um, slowing him down while speeding you up. That is like Every single cover of Cosmo has Um, that article about the, uh, you know, if you're you're dating a minute man, here's how to, uh, you know, here's how to, here's how to
11: both of you. Exactly. Well, they also have just the most ridiculous tips, too, where it's like, you know, things that will bring him to ecstasy. And it's like number 47. Surprise him with an ice cube, you know, <laughs> while you're. Getting, it's like, no, you should never surprise a man with an ice cube.
4: Get wear where? Whipped cream bikini. <laughs> Scream out the name of his first grade teacher.
11: <sighs> okay, number six, and I think, I don't know how romantic this is. This just seems to make sense for both genders. Show interest in his outside <laughs> life. <laughs> Really? Really? That's romantic? Actually, wow. I didn't know you were going to cork the secrets to men, Don Taylor. I mean, go is... out on a limb, ladies. Actually pretend that you care. So
0: ask him how to dress. Be interested in what he wants to do. Let him go out on
11: boys' nights with no strings attached. And, and, actually, and actually, you know, show interest in him.
4: And, and That's I, romantic. And number seven is, I, is what?
11: Number seven is tell him a secret. <sighs> men want to be soulmates, too telling him a secret symbolically sim, I'm sorry symbolically letting him deeper inside you demonstrates total trust in him and faith in your relationship because you're making yourself vulnerable it's an incredible bonding experience yes
0: because men love weepy
11: women seriously there's other vulnerabilities i think hip- it would depend on the secret yeah. Yeah. Honor, can I,
4: can you become more clingy uh, and needy because i find that to be a real turn on uh, can you uh, start weeping if i'm away from you for even half a second
11: i have a secret honey There's a body buried in the
4: backyard.
11: (laughs) Don't you feel closer to me now?
4: Wow. All right. That's fantastic. I'm superimposing Jim J. Bullock's face on you when we make love. Let's take this one call about Sharon Glass, and then when we come back, I swear to God, there's a guy on hold who wants to talk about killer clowns and prison lesbians. And then uh, we will talk to somebody that we spoke with last night at the movies. Uh, Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Nobody. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll do one one more then. Oh, I just put up on whoever that is. Sorry. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Batting a thousand. <laughs> hi, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Who might this be? Uh, this is Dwayne
14: from
0: security last night.
4: This is Dwayne who was at the was at the Watchmen screening last night. Thank you for not wanting me, by the way, and just knowing that I'm a trustworthy person. And that
0: I'm a miscreant. Well, I trust
14: I that you guys didn't have any devices that I, that I needed to be aware of. No.
4: Do you ever? Let me ask you this. Just like man to man, do you ever find any devices with those things? You don't, do you?
14: Actually, I I was uh, surveying a guy during the first fifteen or twenty minutes of the movie in a front that that was uh, by speculation having some sort of video uh, device. Wait,
4: so you thought so it looked like he had a camera, or like a cell phone or something. He was taping the movie.
14: Yeah, it, it appeared to be in his lap, but we couldn't tell because of the angles that we were uh, staring at him from. One thing uh, the public needs to understand sometimes we have. Night, uh, night lenses, or to to see people. So although you can't see us watching you necessarily, sometimes we like to make our presence small, but We can actually see. I can spotlight just about anybody in the whole. Uh,
4: I like because yeah. I like this because in my mind's eye, uh, this is Dwayne who's uh, working at the movies last night. In my mind's eye, you're sort of like down front of the screen, shrouded in a curtain, except for your eyes, which are peeping around the corner and like looking into our souls with your like spectrovision glasses, <laughs> glasses during the film. And, oh, you're, and you're sort of just muttering to yourself, they can't see me, but I can see them. And then you, you know.
14: Well, you know what, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it seemed all- creepy but sometimes you have to make your president somewhat felt like hey if this guy is actually watching me i don't want to i don't want to tip my hand and let him show him that i'm actually doing something that i shouldn't be
4: so if you get so if there's a guy who's like who's uh, you, like he's pointing his uh uh cell phone at the screen or you, like he's filming something i mean what is the next step do you guys get the the, the manager or do you just go like if you see it do you go straight up to the guy and be like hey you know you with the camera you're out
14: yes we escort him out
4: excellent do you take it now do you have to confiscate what he was using to film. So, like, if he had a camera pointed at the screen, do you do you take do you keep the camera or do you ask him to delete it in front of you? How do you handle that?
2: Uh,
14: basically, we we ask him to dispose of the film and then I step on it. No.
4: <laughs> you totally should because I bet he'd probably think it was legal. I don't think I'd fight it if I was caught filming a, the taping a movie. I think you should just smash it in front of me because I don't think I'd know any better.
14: Yeah, I, I'd like to see him defend that in in some sort of court of law.
4: I was trying to pirate a movie and they took my equipment. It's all so wrong.
14: And plus, you know what? I, I'm the office manager for this company that that does the, the performance of the security there, and I schedule myself to all the movie screenings, like last time I did the Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. But I, I weekly, I have to mandatorily, well, once a week. So, you know, so let
11: me get this straight. You're you're the security guy. You're the big bruiser security guy with the wand, but you're also spending the rest of the time in the office, like, filing and doing paperwork? And answering the phone? Basically what I do, but
14: I, I also have to, you know, by, by by my contract standards, I have to work at least about mm, 10 hours every two weeks. So, like, four hours last night I had to put in. But for the most part, hey, I want to see the movie, too. But, but I, if I have to waste time watching some knucklehead that wants to videotape <laughs> the movie illegally, then, hey, I'm missing about 20 minutes of the movie that I really want to see. <laughs> So, you know, so, I got
11: the, so I got, that's a message for anyone listening. If you're thinking about, like, uh, filming the movie, you will rile Dwayne. Seriously,
4: Dwayne will beat Do your ass because he's trying to watch the movie. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, my friend. It was good to see you last night.
14: All right. Again, you guys are welcome anytime here. Anytime, my You see me, just you know, come up and say hello.
4: Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Dwayne. There you go. There's our friend Dwayne. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Is like you never screw with the guy who's in there trying to watch the movie because he has to. If he has to come over and tell you to like, you know, like start unwrapping your candy more quietly, there's gonna be violence because he wants to get back to watching. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right, We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, We've got more phone calls. Don Taylor uh, will return with more news later on. Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this.
2: Terminator. 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 Young son, they're getting nervous. They can't handle this. They're going to break down.
1: From a rebel, it's final, A black final soul.
4: Why, hello? the rick emerson radio program uh it's five oh three seven three three two nine seventy lots of calls to get to more news with john taylor don't forget one random on-air color today wins a copy of my two dads the entire first season on dvd starting starting greg evigan of tech war fame uh and so forth all right we'll get to calls here in a second katie darrell from tmz jim roop uh still to come we have this email that says now this is a fair question because we were talking about sarah's uh, sinus uh, congestion where your head's just uh Pull. You're storing a lot of... Uh, it's like it's like a squirrel storing nuts, but you're storing mucus, and it's not uh, in the tree. It's in your head, and you're not a squirrel. And somebody said... Well, it, well, Dawn has said, you know, what about this thing where you... This netty pot thing where you just stick water in your to nose? don't
0: how good it is. And
4: here's how I can tell that it's legitimately horrifying, is that... Is that, like, before the sentence is even over, like, every time it's come up, you're preemptive, like, I know it's you know, not going to do it, and, which is fine, because I totally get that, that you're... I totally get that you're grossed out by it, but... You can you can see it on YouTube. It's, no, it's a visceral. No. It's a it's a visceral response. <laughs> but here's a question that I had, and someone else has emailed a similar question. And the question would, 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 is this: your like your body language is such like you're cringing <laughs> even thinking about the, the discussion. You're cringing. My question is, and I'm not disputing that you find the whole thing horrifying that the prospect of using the I have for years. It,
0: so the first time I heard about it, every, I it just totally grosses me see, out. See now.
4: Okay, see what why are you did, Okay, first of all, A, didn't you go to the doctor and have them like yank wax out of your ear and you were fascinated by like there's a huge black thing in my ear?
0: Yeah, but that's not that's just like a small little like area. Like this is a giant cave in the front of my face that I don't want to know exists.
4: Well, now long-time listeners will oh, know what yeah, I'm about yeah, to yeah, I know what you're going to say. Long-time listeners will know what I'm about to refer to right now, which is that at one time, and I should say that Sarah and I both did it, not together. What well, different rooms at the same time. <laughs> uh, Sarah and I, as uh, I think, I forget really whether they were like a, a potential client or whether we just oh. thought it was hilarious. Like a colon cleansing place. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah, see, and so Dawn is recoiling while thinking about colon cleansing. Dawn, I bet
0: they have that on YouTube.
4: And see, and Sarah, uh, at least at that point, was totally fascinated by the whole I
11: thing. Still t- I would love to do it again. I just can't afford it.
4: The colon cleansing. So... I guess my but, question but, is, but you won't rinse out your nose. Yeah. See, that's okay. So that's my thing is, and we can say that the processes, process, whatever it is, are, are similar. It, no,
2: because
0: this is like going, warm
4: water going in somewhere and then it comes back out with a whole like lot of. How it detritus. goes out a
0: different route is what grosses me out. How it just goes in and like around and then back down.
4: I don't know. There's something about it. But you didn't find the colon cleansing to be off-putting. In fact, you said you'd like to do it again. Absolutely. And that's the same thing. It's like we're gonna jam you full of warm water, and then we'll see what comes out. I
0: think it must be something having to do with like it being in my face.
4: All right. Well, fair enough. And I don't like having.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't like having like. I hate getting water in my nose, like when I swim or anything. I just don't, and I don't like like nasal spray or anything All
4: like right. that. I'm just sort of, I'm trying, to, I'm, trying to get my, I'm trying to get my head around the difference. But I, and okay, just, that's no, a fair the, point.
0: The thought of feeling warm water going like between my eyes and coming down is just.
4: Are you grossed
11: out? Well, well, the out thing is, one of the things I will say is that they do uh, suggest that you do not make the water too warm. And if you actually have lukewarm water, it is pretty much at body temperature. And also that you're and so drunk. you're not feeling the difference. And also if, if you drink heavily.
4: <laughs> Are you grossed out by the existence of your sinus cavity? Yes. Well, there you go. Wow. So that would that would explain it, because you don't want to be reminded that there's a hole inside your, exactly your head. It,
11: that's exactly it. No, I don't like the
0: fact that I'm walking around with, like a giant hole right here.
11: Well, sister, if you'd done as much coke as I did in the '80s, it wouldn't bother you one bit. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Plonk is what sells it.
2: <laughs> ah, I'm sorry, that
4: was me. Plonk's my favorite. It was real smooth. Really? I mean, I don't care. Dave Schmicky used to do acid all the time, and apparently he's a night molester. So,
2: <laughs> people confess all things kinds things. of
4: strange things here. So it doesn't matter to me. I'm just—I uh, I wouldn't have guessed that.
11: I oh, no. I'm not passing
4: judgment. You understand? No, I'm I, just saying I wouldn't have guessed.
11: No, I. Uh, we we could chat about it at some point. No, I did massive amounts of drugs in in my youth.
4: I would have. Uh, I really would have pegged you more for a, for an LSD girl.
11: Oh no, I never liked hallucinogens. I' don't like, yeah, I wouldn't I would I'd pay I don't like being out of control and i I did acid it a couple of times and I took mushrooms a couple of times and both times and all all of those experiences were awful deeply just,
4: on you had a bad yeah, trip.
11: I don't like the idea of anything I can't sober up from and that I'm not in control of my faculties. well because
4: that's the whole thing about like if you're taking some strong hallucinogen that that's a I mean, I guess you could make the point that if you take any drug, you're, you're out of control, but I mean, it seems like it's probably a different kind of out of control. Yeah. And also that you don't have any real clear sense of when it's going to be over. Right. Whereas, like, most drugs have a half-life, you know, or if you, like, smoke some crack or something, it's over and whatever. It's, it's it's That's like a pretty, I guess, you know, that's 90 minutes, you'll be back to normal or something.
11: And you know, also, it's like I smoked a fair amount of pot when I was, like, my senior year of high school, but I got I stopped smoking pot fairly young because I don't like, that feeling of being stoned right and it's that same thing but uh but then i discovered stimulants <laughs> and i have sort of a naturally sluggish disposition which is one of the reasons why i have to constantly do ca- caffeine now right. and when i discovered the stimulants it was like oh come to mama so uh there and i
4: don't know anything about that
11: <laughs> so uh so so we we enjoyed a uh a uh an interesting relationship. Yeah, uh, I'm not a downer girl like. And eyes for for a long time, and then uh, then now we don't anymore. A marijuana and I do not get along. Yeah. yeah, it it just makes me sleepy and hungry, and that's not a good. That's not a very social feeling for I think me. Right?
4: There was somebody, and we'll talk to uh, Katie Katey from TMZ here in just a moment. There was that I forget who it was. It was somebody made that observation that uh, you can either spend a thousand dollars, you know, at, I think at the time this is the '80s. He said you can either spend a thousand dollars a week on cocaine and not eat. Or you can spend, you know, like 50 bucks a, a week on pot and $1,000 on food. Uh, you know, so I guess it's, you know, I guess it's a bit of a wash depending My on who you is are. I,
11: I did both, which is, uh, I, well, seriously, I had, an wow. dis- I had an eating disorder. So you ate really quickly? And
4: I ate. I need some much. more peanut butter!
11: Right. <laughs> I called it Belushi syndrome. I, I I was like a compulsive overeater, and I did a lot of Coke, like, at the same time. I was trying to kill myself the, the slow, stupid way. I thought that
4: didn't point. work. I thought that it was sort of one or the other. I thought yeah. it was an either. That's like watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. I yeah. thought you had to choose one of those early on in life. No, you, you can eat. You can eat one. <laughs> if you're really devoted the yeah. cocaine, gives you the motivation. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 I wasn't going to eat, but this cocaine has given me the drive and energy I need to consume this entire pallet of protein bars. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com. Our good friend Katie Daryl. Hello, Katie. How are you?
15: Hi. I'm doing great. Unfortunately, I'm totally sober right now, so I, I can't really contribute to this conversation.
4: I'll try to intoxicate you with my wit.
15: Oh. That doesn't lovely.
4: really ever work, but you know, I like to. Uh, I like to sell these things anyway. Um, what is up in the world of TMZ.com, Katie Daryl?
15: Well, here's one for you from the crazy world of uh, totally weird. Chris Brown and Rihanna back together. Even after we saw the picture of Rihanna after she got her uh, supposed uh, beatdown, alleged uh, fight with Chris Brown, looks like the two are back together. Uh, they were spending some time out in Miami at P. Diddy's place. And then we got uh, some video and photo and that you can see up on TMZ.com of Rihanna and Chris Brown arriving back to Los Angeles. They traveled on a private jet uh, and it looks like their relationship is on again, which is just just disturbing in so
4: many ways and so well let's back up because first of all there was that the photo uh of rihanna that tmz had and i know you guys caught a fair amount of flack for 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 publishing that but was that now was that a thing that like the cops had taken or was it i mean what was the i mean i, I don't know where, where it came from as such but who took the photo
15: Honest, um, I think because it was such a sensitive photo, they didn't give us too much information, so I can't actually tell you where that where it came from. All I this is what I know. I know that we obtained it totally legally, uh, and I I know that uh I I can't discuss uh value and price of the photo. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Someone in the office knows, but apparently I am not high enough on the
14: totem pole.
4: Well the the, so that came out, I think it already was sort of like you knew like you read the article and the details and you knew kind of intellectually like okay well she, she really like got beaten in the face by, by somebody and then you saw it and it was just so like off the charts disturbing and I think yeah. it, it wasn't too long after that that the stories first came out that like you know, the, the, you started hearing these rumblings that it was they were back together that she'd taken him back or something and so now you guys at TMZ you're saying that it, that it is in fact that it is isn't fact the case were they living together uh?
15: you know they weren't officially living with each other. They do, um, you know, have separate residencies. But, you know, I mean, most serious relationships, someone's crashing at someone's house, right. you know, one night or the other. Um, so, But they don't have, like, they both haven't put down money and a down payment on a plate. Um, and, and who knows? You know, they, obviously we haven't seen them being intimate with each other. But then again, we never really noticed them, like, canoodling in the past. Anyways, they always kind of try to keep their relationship on the down low. So some people could argue that. You know, this is perhaps them just trying to, you know, go through therapy and whatnot together. But, um, from the statements that have been, you know, given to, um, many media outlets from Rihanna's family, apparently her father is saying, you know, she, he supports Rihanna, um, even if this is what she chooses to do, getting back to Chris, with Chris Brown. But then other sources are saying that they just think that it's crazy. So there's enough buzz out there that the official word would be that not that they're just trying to be friends, but well, that they're trying to rekindle the relationship.
4: And I don't know how this, how this works. I guess if they weren't. If they weren't living together and they're not married, then I guess it doesn't – I guess it's not domestic violence. I mean, not that one kind of violence. I mean, not that it makes it any better if you're getting your face beaten why it's happening. But, um, so what, but is this the kind of deal where the, the charges go forward regardless, like no matter what she says, whether she's sort of like taking him back or not? I mean, is it a thing where like the charges are the charges?
15: Well, that's a great question um, because apparently um, nothing has moved forward to the, um, the DA's office. So it seems like this, um, all these allegations and this case is kind of, what do they say, in the round folder or the bottom drawer or whatnot, Um, it's being like hip checked, and and it seems to be a little stagnant and it's not moving forward. It's still supposedly being looked into, but everything has kind of come to a halt. Um, Rihanna had always been cooperating with the police, and they still say she's cooperating, but it seems like there's a lot of feet being dragged because the fact that this should have you know, coming from the DA mm. by this point, and, and the fact that it hasn't means that perhaps she's not going to move forward and press charges, um, and, and it may just kind of disappear.
4: Well, that's disturbing.
15: It is uh. distur- disturbing, because you look at these, these two kids, you know, Chris and Rihanna, early 20s, uh, the top of their game, and, you know, a, a lot of people and young kids are looking up to them, and, you know, Rihanna's a role model, and I'm sorry, you know, it's it, it doesn't matter what her personal circumstances, there's a point where you have to realize that you are a role model and showing, you know, women, children, teens that this is something that should be tolerated, um, you know, if she's gonna go back with them, she certainly should have put out a statement of some sort at this point trying to explain the situation and defer some of the odd stairs that she's going to be getting because right now it's just horrible.
4: Yeah, really. I can't, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's just such a weird tangled ball of whatever. All right. Um, TMZ.com, and, of course, TMZ airs uh, live here at 1130, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will talk to you next Tuesday, Katie Darrell. Always a pleasure. Sounds fabulous. Talk, right. to talk to you next Tuesday. There you go. There's Katie Darrell. Well, that's disheartening. All right.
11: It really is. I mean, well, teach their own, but... You know, if if you're having a, a bad, dysfunctional, abusive relationship, it seems to me the, the best place to go to patch things up has got to be Diddy's house.
4: <laughs> Seriously.
11: That That sounds healthy.
4: Well, look, I mean, look, if, if Rihanna is really honestly and truly going to take... I'm saying it's, these are all allegations at this point. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Assuming just for the sake of speculation, for the sake of, you know, this hypothesis... Assuming that Chris Brown is actually uh, the guy who did this, so if we just operate from that assumption, if it's true that she's you know taking him back, then it makes my life a lot easier because I don't have to worry about it or care the next time That's he beats be her ass. Sorry for her. Seriously. So then from now on, if it happens again,
0: I have to invest just, zero
4: in it. It's a strange
0: dichotomy in um, Hollywood too, because all these people who are coming to his defense, it's like, oh well, he's young. No, no, he no he's, he's a only, troublemaker. It's like he's only 19. You know that nobody, you can't remember when you were young what emotional relationships you were, in. I. Yeah, I was in a relationship with a with a jerk who, when I was 18 or 19, with a guy who would like, you know, punch the wall next to my head and like, you know, break his hand or like right. throw flower pots off, things and stuff. And you know what? And he's still a jerk to this day. Yeah. It doesn't matter. People people are people.
4: No, that's... And you know, and I certainly understand that there are people, uh, usually women, who are in uh, relationships that, uh, that, that they can't get out of, uh, relationships where they are, are trapped to some degree, which... Carries a lot less weight, uh, you know, when you're Rihanna, who has uh, money and resources uh, that 99.9% of women don't have. But just and have... has and also has. Just I don't mean to cut you off. Also, she also has a coterie of people around her. That's the thing. It's not like, like it's not like she's, uh, you know, she's living in some uh, dirt heel town somewhere where she's got nobody to come and help her and no money. She has money. She has a legal team. She has a certain amount of of. She has a certain amount of fame, which then with it comes a certain amount of, you know, it comes with a group of people around you, whether it's your agent, it's your PR person, it's your representative, it's lawyers, all of whom are there to step in and help you sort of be strong and get out of the relationship. So given all of that, if a guy beats your ass and you go back to him, you know what, that's on you, sister.
11: I'd be interested to find out if, how much if any of her representation is also his representation as well, yeah. and what kind of business connections they have if they're not the same. Because that's the thing. She does have a lot of people around her, but you have no idea how many of those people are going, well, you, know, you have to at least give the illusion of, of having a relationship with him right now because that could destroy him. Yeah. And, and you don't want to ruin his his career right now. So... Why don't we just soft pedal this and you don't press charge it? you know I mean you have no idea how much of that is going. We have such a magical news story
0: from last week, too that we never got to about what a stellar guy chris Brown is
4: really see uh you know, I heard somebody on what we'll call another radio station talking about uh chris- Brown just a few days ago, and the uh, the d j in question referred to him as, oh, we know he's a troublemaker,
11: mm. all right.
4: Here's uh, Don Taylor.
11: Well, here is that Chris Brown story uh, that he uh, reportedly was set to plead self-defense in his court case. Wow. Claiming what Rihanna a attacked guy. him. He's
4: a gentleman. Good for him. Wow. Way to go. A source,
11: a source told the, the highly, highly uh, reputable Life and Style Weekly magazine. Of course. Uh, Chris is already building his case. He's saying she threw a phone at him, then hit him in the head, and basically just lost it. He's saying she attacked him. So, yeah um i'm not one of those people that feels that women should never be hit like you know there's i i don't i think that's sexist to say you know you should never hit a woman because frankly if a woman starts wailing on you you know punch her because just saying it's
4: dawn taylor uh, saying uh, that by the way
11: Well, it's sexist to say that <laughs> women should never be hit just well, you, because
4: they're women well no one in a relationship should be hitting anybody exactly. else that's no the one thing. should
11: be hitting anybody else but the thing is that you know it's not like the, the look of her face in those photographs—that was a guy defending it's not, himself. Those are not
4: defensive wounds. No, no, no. I was uh, brutal. I was trying to brutally assault yeah. his hand uh, with my chin over a, and over I again. I had to
11: pound on her for twenty minutes just to get her off me.
4: <laughs> well, Don.
11: Uh, Rihanna, twenty-one, is reportedly told police Chris beat her in his car in Los Angeles, threatened to kill her, and choked her until she was unconscious. Uh, he's been charged with making criminal threats and released on $50,000 bail, also being investigated for other felonies, including domestic violence and assault, resulting in great bodily injury.
4: Well, it's good to know that according to, uh, this is her quote on TMZ.com, uh, that uh, Chris Brown is, quote, still her homeboy. So.
11: Well, here, and this is what I was talking about you know, earlier. A source yeah. said she's devastated all this has become public. And that is not uncommon in abusive relationships, that women are... Embarrassed and actually feel ashamed that people find out that they're with an abuser. Uh, they also say here she's just angry and extremely humiliated that the whole world knows how much pain she's in right now. She's told her team to do what they need to do. She just wants them to handle things for her.
4: Well, Don, you can't beat true love. All right, well, or take you a can. break. <laughs> come back, come back after this with a Jim Root, more from Don Taylor, your phone calls as well. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. But, yep. I'm not the Josie and the Pussycats enthusiast that you are.
11: Oh, God. I love that movie. It is an amazing movie. It
0: is.
4: No. Oh. It's all synchronize our periods. <laughs>
0: right. So you're going to have to come over to my house
4: and when I'm better, it's book tickets and drink wine yeah. and watch Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, I love it. And then let's watch Reese and dance around in our pajamas. No, then we can watch Reese. Pussycats
0: is not a girl movie, it's, it's not it's at a all. satire. I know. It's a satire about corporate America. It's yeah. hilarious. With Alan Cumming. And I it's Alan Cummings, about the man. And Parker
11: Posey. And Seth
4: Green. Hello, hi, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 503 733 Don Taylor is here. We'll do uh, more news in a moment. If you're on hold, hang Pat, We'll get to your uh, phone calls here in just a few. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, James Roof. Hello, sir, how are you?
7: Very good afternoon.
4: How are you, my friend? How's life? How are things?
7: Things are great. Sun is shining
4: today. All right, actually, you sound happy to be alive, sir. So. <laughs>
7: I'm happy. I, I'm happy to wake up in the morning. Hey,
4: by the way, I just uh, speaking of happy to be alive and just full of zest and joy for living. Nothing made me happier than the other day when you were talking about how you confronted the octomom doctor in his office. Yeah, and I got I, I made a note to myself and then. Blah, 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 radio.com is the whole thing, and I, I couldn't, it, the, at some point my password changed, and so I got to, like, uh, email CNN and figure out what my password is, because they reset it automatically on me, because I wasn't able to go on and listen to the audio, because I wanted to hear you, like, chasing the Octomom guy, like, down a hallway, like, Jim Rope from CNN, answer my question! <laughs> I just wanted to hear him sort of the vanishing cut, behind a door. The being
7: cut off by the lady with the thick, thick accent, no, he's not going to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> or ever,
7: he doesn't uh, want to justify. He doesn't have to justify anything.
4: <laughs> so I wonder. I wonder how many times she's been. You know, she's repeated that phrase. But I, I sort of picture you like you're all like the Mike Wallace of CNN Radio. And, you know, whatever you're like, The guy coming out his front door in the morning, and you're there with the video camera, going, "Is this your signature?" You know, and meanwhile, you know, and the guy just starts to sweat visibly on camera. Oh, uh, good times. Those, th- those
7: are fun. Th- those confrontation type things are fun.
4: Who is? Let me ask you this. What is your? Uh, what was the confrontation? that you are most happy about in terms of how it all turned out Robert Blake Really
7: When I when I was talking to him going up the stairs to the courthouse and uh, a cameraman came down and pushed me into Robert Blake and he said he said don't shove me man and I said I didn't shove you on purpose he said get a job I said well look this happens to be my job today as much as I hate it and he says, "Well, don't shove me again." I said, "What are you going to do? Take me to dinner?"
4: <laughs> wow! Oh, please tell me that you taped that. Yes. Oh, that was a piece that I filed. Oh, see, what did, uh, I get, I'm sorry. You know, I have failed. I it's like I, I got to start going to that CNN site every day and just listening to the audio, because if there's this gold there that I'm missing.
7: And that's that was that's one of my favorite ones.
4: <laughs> i gonna do take me to dinner. What I gonna
7: it? do? Take me to dinner.
4: Let me ask you this: <laughs> Have you ever uh, interviewed anybody, celebrity or not, uh, where you were? Maybe a little apprehensive, like you were thinking that somehow it might go sideways and you're going to end up with a mouthful of mouthful of knuckles.
7: Um, yeah, that happens a lot, actually. Um, and, and it's mostly by the musical folks. And I'm thinking, who was the one who really? I thought really I was going to get popped.
4: I'm not going to say Chris Brown at this point because no. we just did a whole thing and it's too easy.
7: No, I think it was, It was a while ago. It was several years ago. Um, but you, but, but, I just finished interviewing Jessica Simpson. When ah, I forgot the guy's name now, I gotta, I gotta try and hunt that down.
4: But I mean, but, but it, it, it seems like if you're, you know, like rock star types are always the ones who, it's like, they put forward like the uh, the big like, uh, the, you know, the the big macho image that they've always got to then follow up on.
7: Yeah, but you know, I, it's it it would be great, I think, to have somebody take a swing at me just so I can swing back.
4: Just so you could, and then you could
13: file
7: a whole no, story. I, I hope they didn't. I, I don't. I didn't want that to come out wrong. And Not that I'm going to kick anybody's butt or anything, but um, y, you know, sometimes you want to unleash on these guys and you can't. But when there's an excuse to do so, you welcome it.
4: So you know, if uh, you know Brad Paisley just gives you a little too much lip one day, you know what I mean? Just to,
7: you no, know, they, they got to They have to. They have to get physical first before I'd be able to. Do
4: Let that. me ask you this. Uh, See, so, you no, know, I probably shouldn't. I was about to. Here's what I was about to ask you. This is just going to be. This is going to be like. This is going to be like one of those outtake scenes on a DVD uh, that didn't make it into the film. Here's what I was going to ask you just now. I was going to ask you, of the celebrities, musical or otherwise, that you have interviewed, uh, who tops the list of people that you know you, you would like for them to take a swing at you at some point just so you can beat them savagely in self-defense? I don't expect you to answer that, but I'm just saying that was what I was going to ask. So
7: Well, just, uh... well that's kind of what I was thinking about when you asked the question.
4: I mean, it's up to you whether you'd like to, uh, whether you'd like to answer that or not.
7: I don't know that there is anyone in particular. All right. There are are many who irritate you, um, and and their arrogance makes you want to – I mean, the the arrogance and the way they treat people, you know, when we're just trying to do our jobs, we're not – you know, most of us that are working these gigs could care less what they have to think, but we have to ask the questions. And it's it's the arrogance and the attitude we get from them that makes you want to just take that microphone and smack them with it. (laughs) And – yeah, I don't I, – I, see, here I'm, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm at risk of sounding arrogant myself, but it's it it really is a frustrating position to be in.
4: Well, especially because it's like you're not, you know, you're not like some muckraking guy. I mean, you're just out there – I mean, and they're celebrities, so they're in the public eye anyway. Yeah. And especially a guy like Robert Blake, who you'd think would be minding his P's and Q's as he's, you know, on trial for soliciting well, a murder or whatever. Here's
7: this wisp of a man, you know, I mean, 183 years old, you know, really – like he's going to kick my ass.
11: He's nothing and without his cockatoo. It was...
7: <laughs> all right. But it was, you know, it was comical. It was funny. And my retort was supposed to be funny too. Right. And but he, he I mean his eyes widened. I mean, he got really ticked off. Everybody else around me was laughing.
4: Robert Blake seems like one of those guys that would like in all sincerity with not a trace of irony to it. He seems like one of those guys who would use the phrase, don't you know who I am? You know, and then he'd be like jabbing you in the chest with that finger. Well,
7: you know, he, he was weird all throughout both trials. He There would be days where he was real nice and he'd grab a guitar and sing. Then there were other days when he was just the meanest cuss you ever came across. And, you, you know, you you didn't know which Robert Blake you were going to get, not just that day, but after lunch.
4: Hey, and speaking of that, by the way, I, just before we move on to this, this, uh, this tech fair thing that I want to uh, talk about, the – what is it with the Phil Spector thing? Are they ever sticking that guy back in the courtroom? No, he's,
7: that's still, uh, the trial's still going on. Oh, Nobody God. cares about it. I,
4: I, can't even, I can't even keep track of what's, what's happening and what's not the at this
7: defense, point. No, right, it's, the defense is mounting their case right now.
4: Yeah, like once he stopped showing up and, oh. like he had that weird Ludwig von Beethoven thing he was showing up with, like his hair was all out in that weird white man's fro for a while, and that's kind of when I was following it. But as soon as his hair became uninteresting. Yeah. Oh, and then he had the weird Prince Valiant. Like that,
7: the Peter Torque hair. Yes,
4: exactly. Still wearing the Peter Torque hair. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, Uh, I was
7: was downtown on on another story today, and uh, I saw a suspect come into the courtroom uh, today. So he's he's still wearing that same. He still has that those suits with the big long coat and the uh, and that the uh, Peter Hmm. Torque. uh you know, boy
4: here hey so I wanted to ask you uh, about this uh, this you got this I mean California is home to a lot of these sort of industry affairs or conventions or whatever I mean everything from uh, like the avN and the which is like the adult video thing where the porn industry has their big they've one in Vegas but I think the other one happens in la every year and then there's all kinds of the technology shows too which normally that's a big thing for California's uh, you know, for California's revenue. California makes a lot of money off those. Yeah. But I know that there's, that, like, they're doing this one this year. They're bringing in not only just an, an outside partner, but they're actually bringing in, like, a, another country, like Germany well, or it, somebody.
7: It's Germany that does this every year. They've been doing it for about 24 years now. And Germany usually partners with another country. But this year they're partnering with California, which is the eighth largest economy right, uh, in the world. And it, there's a lot to that. I mean, as far as the governor's concerned, Schwarzenegger's just, you know he addressed the opening session just beaming from head to toe about you know how California you know is is the first with technologies both green and and uh in in biotech and and uh the silicon valley crap and all that stuff you know he's just he says it makes sense that we should partner with this uh it might be just that no other country in these economic times wanted to partner up with Germany for and- this trade show because you would think a, a trade show of that extreme you're talking 70 countries, 5,000 businesses getting together, um, digital solutions, technology, that kind of stuff.
4: And you know,
7: You'd think it wouldn't? They wouldn't want to do something like that in this economy, but
4: you know, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, the idea of you know a strong, charismatic, public speaker-oriented Austrian partnering with the Germans on something does give me a little bit of pause. But I mean. Who knows? I mean, people can change, I suppose. Uh, But this is going to be one of those things in this in what with this recession and all, Jim, where every state, though, is got to be, you know, it is like a bunch of Catholic kids around the dinner table where it's like mom puts down the bowl of peas and everybody's spoon goes out at the same time because there's only so many peas where every time something like this comes up, all the states are just going to be fighting like tooth and nail. Uh, to try to to try to get all this stuff because everybody's so much in the red right now.
7: Well, I think what's nice about something like this is there's still that networking that that goes on that you can connect people together that who knows maybe the next big thing is all of a sudden going to be discovered that will enhance our lives or or develop something that will help move the economy forward. I don't know, but it seems that that's a risk these kind of trade shows take. Especially
4: in an environment
7: like this. Hey, did they
4: ever send you to that uh, to that AVN thing? The uh, the porn no, trade convention. No,
7: I I tried to convince them to send me to AdultCon. Um, last year, which I think was in San Diego.
4: because they do... Yeah, you know, we
7: should go check that out. It might be an interesting sidebar story.
4: I think there's uh, the one they do in Vegas, I think, is the one that's for the public, and it's where you can get like get your picture taken with you know yeah, the one in Taylor San Diego was,
7: was a private industry.
4: That's an industry one, and I think uh, Laura and I, when we lived in San Diego, it was happening, I think it might have actually been in L.A. that year, but uh, when we were living in San Diego... They were doing it, and I think the thing with the industry one is, like, you could still go, but it was like, that if you were just a member of the public, like, the tickets prices were, they were just exorbitant. They were just way, way above what we wanted to pay. And, like, that's kind of the one I wanted to go to. Like, I, you know, going to some convention where, like, you, I mean, like, you pay 50 bucks and, Jenna, you know, Jenna Jameson pretends to smile next to you for, you know, for a few seconds while they take your photo. That, you know, whatever. But, like, going to an industry convention for the porn uh, world is just so fascinating to me. Because you've got to wonder if, like, what... You know, wait, like what? Uh, like what products are they unveiling there? I mean, like what are the sort of you know, like what kind of panel discussions do they have at a porn convention for the industry? Uh, energy levels. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you I can't. Know. That's, that's the level. thing I wonder about. Like, did, like, QD do they have panel? How to keep your male stars? Uh, you know, how to keep your male stars aroused without the aid of stimulants or whatever? I just. I wonder about that kind of stuff and about the discussions that take place among sort of players in that world I mean, when the public isn't Serious discussion,
7: yeah. I mean, I mean, they're they're serious business. That's what I mean. Discussions about you know
4: the actual in, you know, the actual business uh, discussions that what take place the in the industry. What is the
7: latest technology in the porn industry?
11: What that is act- that? That actually is a huge thing, though. Um, a number of no
7: pun intended. <laughs> <that>.
11: <laughs> you know, a number of the uh, the. <laughs> But again, no time. The biggies in the industry got together to try to talk about what the next uh, the, the next technology will be. Right. They're all going to go Blu-ray. What will come after Blu-ray? Because porn does drive the tech.
4: Porn and video games
7: drive That's technology. That's another thing that Southern California is, I think, the leader in. If I'm pardon me any that in the preposition. Um, Porn production yeah. in San Fernando Valley.
4: And, it, it, and, you know, and there's you know Paul Thomas Anderson, who made Boogie Nights, talked about. He said that was one of the, the things that got him so interested. He was like, you know, you grow up, you hear that if you grow up in California all the time about, you know, you know, we lead the uh, rest of the country in making porn films right here, kid. This valley is where it all is created, and it's just such a it's just such a weird industry that is simultaneously omnipresent and yet almost, you know, hidden, at least it was at that point, much less so now. You go on Sunset Boulevard, there's you know, vivid billboards everywhere you go, but it's just the actual, like, like, you know, the, the sort of comical looks at that world are not nearly as interesting to me. as like the actual nuts and bolts of a bunch of guys sitting around like the five families in a room <laughs> trying to figure out if the porn world's going to support, you know, support HD DVD or exactly like, like what will be the new latexy product that kind of feels like skin that we can fashion <laughs> Christy Canyon's face out of? So it's all very interesting. All right. Jim Roop, as always, have a good day. Try to, try to you know, if somebody body checks you later, try to just give him a little one back for us. Oh, I will. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. There you go, Jim Roop. All right. Excellent. See, porn discussions are not just for David Walker. It's Sarah true. David. All right. We, uh, and so forth. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey,
13: Rick. Hey. Uh, aren't you lucky to have Jim Roop every day, aren't you?
4: Yes, we are, sir.
13: Uh, I had a, uh, little information on that, uh, crazy cl- or killer clowns, and I don't know if you guys have kind of discussed the new digital box or anything, but, uh, there's a channel, it's, uh, you know, channel two is ABC here, and there's a two-two, and that's, I think it's called Twist? 20- mm-hmm. it, no, it says 2 dash two and it's like uh it's a, you can only get it on the digital box you can turn it on like channel 10 which is opv has like three stations plus.
4: oh okay wait radio hold on. this station. is no this is okay this is like the uh this is like in radio where it's like they have no no no. this is you've got kink fm but then you've got kink 2 which is all like some like pete Seeger strumming a strumming a zither or something
13: yeah exactly yeah. And, and i don't know if you guys have discussed that yet but well let's uh, pretend we have So anyway, this is Channel Two's. It's kind of their movie channel. It's called This, and it has This, This, yeah, like.
4: What kind of a name for a channel is that? This sounds like a. What kind of a name for a channel is that?
13: It works (laughs) in the taglines, I think. You know, oh, the this first thing there. This, this, this is the greatest thing or something like All right, that. I see.
2: All right. So yes.
13: anyway, it had killer clowns, but it also uh-huh. had I was talking to Richie about it. It had That's this right. perfect drive in movie. It was called Black Mama, White Mama, <laughs> and it had a very young Pam Greer in it. And I think it was filmed like it looked like some island like the Philippines or something.
4: An island and like the Philippines. Yeah,
13: well, something. I yes. mean, that's what they kind of look like. But it had, uh-huh. uh, it had hot. The first scene is, is, uh, Pam Greer and his, and this, uh, blonde. Yeah, let's be,
4: let's be, uh, clean for the radio yeah,
13: I will, I will. And it, uh, the wardens were women, which were, I don't know, the L word. And they were kind of violent L words, too.
2: They were lavender.
13: Yeah. <laughs> they were and it had cat fights, and it had like revolutionaries, and it had this one scene where the uh, the uh, the blonde girl takes her underwear off and puts it on the head of the dog, so the 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 you know the hound dogs would follow the her underwear, and then the, these her. Her, uh, partners in the revolution find it, and the guy smells it, or looks at it, and this other guy says, like, how can you tell it's Karen's, by smell or by type? And, uh, that was pretty funny. I guess you had to be there.
4: But, uh, I'm just letting the call roll, sir. It's just gold. I don't want any Yeah,
13: exactly.
4: Yeah. But,
2: uh, uh-huh.
13: and, uh, I was hoping this might make, uh, Don Taylor sweat a little bit. <laughs> which, that was kind of creepy, Rick, actually. Um but, uh, uh, But that was a perfect one, but, uh, it, uh. You ever thought
4: about hosting a midday show, sir?
13: Well, yeah, I don't know if I have the time. Okay. uh,
4: Just wanted to
13: check. No stone unturned. Richie and I both, you know, I saw his little wrestling thing, man. He was good. Did you see his little thing? I did. Anyway, I thought thought you guys could. Do that mm-hmm. that digital thing because America wasn't. They had to extend it because America wasn't smart enough to figure out that February third yeah. means February third. Let me let so, me if I can
4: just interject a question: Are we? And I only ask out of just you know just sort of demographic curiosity. Are we uh, are we are we drinking uh, today or, or, or smoking?
13: Uh, no, I just have some uh, orange juice.
4: All right, excellent.
13: Nothing uh, in it. I'm kind of nervous being yeah. on, on the radio right. when I talk Well, about, you you uh, cover it
4: well, sir. It was compelling. On that note, we're going to we're gonna have to roll here, but... Uh, hey, black you...
13: black mama, white mama. All
4: right, you call us anytime. got it. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Best call ever. Attention advertisers, you too can reach this prime demographic. Hello, Don Taylor. How are you? I'm fine.
11: Uh, coming here just brings me such joy. I just thought I'd... I'd when he said, there's like two, there's also two, two, and you're like, oh, that would be 22, sir. <laughs> I was watching you on Outlook Portland, I, I, I Tivo, the Outlook Portland, and you had your show this weekend with uh, the uh, fellow from Normal. Yes. And because you couldn't get anyone on the uh, Prohibition side to show up, you had Saki the Sock Puppet. Socko
4: the Prohibition Socko, Puppet.
11: Socko the Prohibition. And there was this moment in there when uh, the, the Normal fellow is uh, is talking, and he Gets off on the thing that uh, pot is not actually a gateway drug, it's a terminus drug. And with just this completely straight face, you have the puppet and you go, I don't know what that means. And I laughed for about 10 minutes. I actually had to pause the DVR because that was one of the funniest moments of television I have ever seen. The visual of him with the puppet up next to his face, interviewing the man on his show, and to say, I don't know what that means. I it was it was a, a wonderful moment for me.
4: Uh, you know, and the, really the great I, I appreciate that and thank you. And the the great and sad thing about that is is like, you know, people in the media and I'm not excluding myself and this works so hard at crafting really subtle sublime comedy or people in radio work on it, these bits that are pre-recorded and produced somewhere. And you take hours and hours to putting together, and really it's just me sticking a sock on my hand and drawing these big googly eyes on it. And then talking like this, and then like that's really, you know, and just real quickly, and then we'll break. So on Outlook Portland, yeah, I couldn't, we couldn't find anybody to come on and argue for keeping pot illegal. So we had the guy from Normal, and so I just had Sacco, the prohibition puppet, and like the really, what what made it a sell? Because Cheryl, uh, who you know is sort of the the one who, like, she makes me look good. She's really the one who kind of runs that whole thing on my side of the table, and she was just like, I just don't know. I implore you to ask the guest ahead of time. She actually sent me an email. She said. The people from Normal seem really cool, but I'm telling you, please do not spring this on them. If you are going to have them arguing with a sock, I implore you to tell the guest ahead of time and see what their comfort level is with this. He with, was so great no, with it. No, he totally was with it. He, he loved it. Um, that's, although, that's a good question, Socko. To be fair, though, the woman who was supposed to be on with him, his sort of supervisor, would not have been cool with it. and Fortunately, she wasn't there so we could do it. But <laughs> what, made it, what made it a no-brainer for me, here's what made the decision that we had to have Socko on debating him. Because I knew in my mind's eye that somewhere in Portland, there was going to be a guy sitting on the couch at 6.30 on Sunday morning who was stoned. And the idea of a guy who was high turning on his television and seeing a sock puppet debate a guy about mer- legalizing <laughs> weed, it was for that guy. That's who I did that whole thing for. And for you, apparently. Well, apparently for me as I well. I just wanted some guy who had just smoked a huge bowl to turn on TV and go, oh, my God, there's a sock puppet debating weed legalization. Terry, you got to get in here and watch this. So it's all for him, you guy, and Don Taylor, and that guy who just called, and that for him too. All right, back after this, is the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. I want
3: White Mama, two of the toughest
1: chicks ever put behind bars. Fate tossed them together in the same prison, but their color kept them apart until they escaped, chained together at the wrists. Black Mama, White Mama, with nothing to go back to, nothing up front but trouble. Black Mama. Mama, They endured every humiliation imaginable in a woman's prison, and now they were free. A thousand miles from nowhere. Bound together by
4: chains, hate, and the erotic desires a woman gets after a thousand nights without a man. See, Black Mama. White Mama. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without
1: a parent. Black Mama. White Mama. They were free, but not from each other.
4: I love this country this job and Sarah for finding that. Well done. It was the black mama, white mama radio spot. <laughs> it was a simpler time. I know. They really don't make them like that anymore.
11: You know, when when you're no, not free from the erotic desires that a woman feels after <laughs> being away from a man and a woman's for thousands of nights out of night. the man.
4: Have you ever seen that trailer for the erotic adventures of Zorro?
11: No. Oh. oh, you played that as an opening I played the
4: edited down version of it because it just go it's like nine minutes long. There's this uh let's see, we'll 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 play that here in just in just a second. Uh we'll do some news and, and whatnot. Uh let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show. Whoever this caller might be. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir. Or madam is the case, maybe. Hello, Rick. Is there a hello. The, uh, hello, hi, hello, hi. Oh, is this Andy? Yes, but I'm I good. can't hear you over the music. All right. Is the uh, okay? We're no longer feeding the phone. There you go. All right. Hello, Andy. This is Andy, the homeschool kid. Who it was your uh, it is your 18th birthday tomorrow, is it not? Yes, yes, it is. How does it feel to be on the verge of manhood, Andy? Um, about the same
12: as it did not being on the verge of manhood.
0: What's the first thing you're going to buy when you're 18, Andy?
4: Is it uh, is it cigarettes? No. Scratch off? No. Register to vote?
0: Left for oh, dad. I need to do that. You are going to go to a Jiggle, aren't you?
4: <laughs> no. What is it? To, what is the first thing you're going to do uh, when you become uh, when you become a legal adult tomorrow, Andy? Go swimming. Andy. Live live out there on the edge, Andy. Live
0: the dream. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm doing all, it.
4: Suck the marrow out of life. What do you mean? i
12: uh, <laughs> not. I guess I'm not going to go swimming. I'm going to open gifts. I was thinking today was Wednesday. It's not. Never mind. No, it's, today's, today's today. Tuesday.
4: You're not. You're not a man quite yet. You're just. A, you're, you're looking. Andy, you'll be a man man soon. You're looking over the the brink of She'll it now. But you're not there. <laughs> you have no plans for your 18th birthday. Nothing special. Nothing. Uh, nothing exciting. I'm not trying to pressure you. So, understand? I'm just. I'm inquiring.
12: Because I have to accommodate for lots of people, yeah. my big birthday things usually happen on the weekends. Yes. But let's see. Oh, you'll like this. We're going to see Watchmen at midnight on Thursday wow. for my birthday. Oh, so
4: there you go. So there's there's a little something there. All right, fantastic. And you know what? Now you can buy uh know you can buy video games that have a mature rating without a parent around.
12: Um, I can buy them, but I can't play them.
4: Is is it because are you still living underneath uh, your mother's roof? And while you're under my roof, you'll abide by my rules.
12: Well, not as much as that as it is when my Xbox 360 is broken, and that's <laughs> the only system I own.
4: Okay, so you're obliged to use your mother's. Okay. Well, Well, my mother's Xbox, or
12: my mother's game system is a Wii, so, you know, don't diss it.
4: No, 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 I'm just saying. uh, There are two different schools of games. So you
0: really have no desire to do anything that you weren't able to do today, tomorrow?
12: Well, first off, I don't. <laughs> Hi, Mom. She's listening. Oh,
4: hello. So, Hi. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. I understand I what's it going All on right, now. Got I it. was going to say because, you know, you, 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 know, you want to live your life like it's a night in the life of Jimmy Reardon, sir.
11: I think you can go to a firing range and uh, check out a gun you and could, shoot at some targets without a puddle.
4: You could fire a fully automatic weapon. That's right. Well, yes, but why?
11: I still think that
0: we should take him to Jiggles while he smokes a cigarette and does a scratch-off ticket.
4: No. And, and, and the thing is, Will, you know what, Will, we'll, you can claim uh, that we roofied you and that the entire thing was against your will. Sure, why not? All right. All right. Well, ponder it. All right. Happy birthday in advance, Andy. There you go. That's uh, Andy, the homeschool kid. All right. That's fantastic. Well, okay. Hello, Taylor. How are All you? Right. I'm good. We were just talking during the break about how... Uh, and everybody in talk radio makes this statement at one point or another, but it really is true that you just never know what's on the other uh, side of that blinking light. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Andy or it's the, uh, you know, I was watching white mama, black mama, that guy, or, you know, whatever. Boy, the last time, I didn't get to go to Toolbox Murders at the at the Hollywood Theater last Saturday, which is too bad. I wanted to go. Um but that is when that Storm, Storm and the Balls, were playing their final show for, like, six months or whatever. That was the the makeup show they did for the Winter Wonderball. Uh, so I wasn't able to go to the Toolbox Murders, which is just a great movie, even though there are, in fact, there's only Toolbox Murder. There is, in fact, only one murder that has anything to do with the Toolbox. And the rest, like, it's so clearly a film where they, they made the movie and they were trying to come up with a catchy title. And, like, that's the thing they came up with. It's worth seeing just because it's got, what's his name, Wesley from Land of the Lost is in it. Uh And he really is just the far and away, just the biggest star. And if I ever get to interview Wesley Urie, I'm going to ask him, like, 80% of the questions are going to be Land of the Lost. But the other 20% are going to be all toolbox murders. Because that's just a great, terrible, deeply disturbing, deeply hilarious film. So, I didn't get to go to that. But when the Hollywood does their grindhouse thing, they will show these fantastic trailers. And I don't think they've ever shown Black Mama, White Mama. But they have shown a lot of those Pam Greer films. Like, one is... Like, they're all variations on a the theme, too. It's always Pam Grier and some buxom white girl who are, at some point, like, greased up and sweaty. And then they got to, like, fight for their freedom with each other, uh, you know, while the man watches on. Uh, and there was some movie where, I swear to God, it was Pam Grier and then, like, some Swedish chick with just just huge cans. And they were, like, Roman gladiators somehow. And there's a sequence where it's, like, Pam Grier and the, the gladiator chick, and they're both holding, like, like 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 swords or shields or something, and there's like a tiger being released, but then it's like to escape with their freedom. Like they have to they have to do something that involves both of them crawling through like a really narrow tunnel together while they're all oiled up. It was all very weird, and you're looking at it, you're thinking to yourself, really the mainstreaming of porn has robbed us of that kind of a film because that's what that that's why that movie existed, right? Because it was the perfect confluence of sex and violence. But now you can just get all the violence isolated on the Internet. Like, you can just go on and watch some guy having his, like, hand put through a grinder. Uh, you know, or you can go watch a guy jamming a jar and do a sensitive part of his anatomy. Or you can just go on, you know, and just either watch hot and ro- uh, cold running porn. So there's no need to make those movies anymore. I don't know.
11: You know, Mr. Skin could take some of his uh, Internet money, and he could he could bring back softcore exploitation movies.
4: See, uh, I think there's a market for that. I really do.
11: Well, these guys, all the people that go to Mr. Skin, for example... They are the audience.
4: There's a, there's something to be said for this. Now, I have at home this DVD that is nothing but trailers for old... They're not even really... Some of them are porn films, but some of them are, gen, again, just these sort of grindhouse, these sort of, like, violent skin flicks, you know, which is like different than a full-on porn film. The best of the lot, though, I mean, like, what like, hands down. And the trailer's about four minutes long, and I had to edit it down for, as they say on television, edit for content uh, and for running time. So I had to edit it down, but this is the audio from a real trailer for a real porn film that I so desperately want to find so I can watch it just to see what kind of movie could possibly... I mean, like, the, the movie couldn't... There's no way it could be as good as this trailer. So let me just play this for you, Donna. and we'll get your thoughts. This was the trailer for... The Erotic Adventures of Zorro. Now, let me see if I can, uh, let me see if this one to play here. Oh. Sorry, right. wait. No, that's totally not the Erotic that's Adventures. That's
2: sexy. Of...
1: In times of tyranny, always comes one to wrong the unrighteous. Such a one was Zoro. It's an all new, all nude, lewd and lascivious Zorro. It's entertainment ventures masterwork of adult exposition The Erotic Adventures of Zorro. No kitty matinee Zorro this. Here is a Zorro with balls. The <laughs> intrepid team that brought you Trader Horny now brings you a fantastic motion picture with something for everyone. Killing Rape, spectacle, comedy, sex, flamenco dancing, perversion, horseback riding, torture, lesbians, sword fighting, naked girls, entertainment, all in the audacious, outrageous, The Erotic Adventures of Zorro.
11: Thank God there's entertainment. They're all
1: here to thrill you anew. Parental guidance recommended. Have your parents guide you to this theater to see The Erotic Adventures of Zorro. Adios, Comandante. The first adult movie rated Z. The erotic adventures of Zorro.
4: Do you see why I simultaneously oh. must see the film and don't ever want to see the film? That is, oh, how, how could it
0: measure up? The, the list of things. The, the best part the, is uh, heck, flamenco
4: so dancing,
11: flamenco <laughs> dancing. <laughs> flamenco The best yeah.
4: part is how he says there's like sex and lesbians, and then later naked girls, <laughs> as though that wouldn't sort of <laughs> fall into the you know that, that like the. Um, <laughs> and then there's
11: an afterthought. Entertained.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do a couple of these real quickly, and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
10: Oh, didn't know you were coming on already. Hey, I've got some advice for Sarah uh, with her uh, sinus infection. She
4: can't wait to hear it. Uh-huh.
10: Um, I've been using this stuff for about approximately ten years, and I haven't really been sick in all that time. It's, um, it's called Clear Nasal Spray. It's a um, saline nasal solution with xylitol, and uh, this stuff was used over in Finland. Uh, I read when I first read about it uh, about ten years ago in my doctor's office. Uh, it was used in Finland on children with antibiotic-resistant strains of inner ear infections. But it's a, it's, uh just basically has normal saline. Uh, it's, uh, I'm looking at the ingredients right now. It says purified water, xylitol, saline, and grapefruit seed extract as a preservative. So it's all natural stuff. Um, xylitol, well, what you look for is it's spelled with an X instead of a C. It's X-L-E-A-R.
4: Yeah, I Wait, so Dawn, can you spell it? I think, well, Don Taylor has used that, actually. You were talking about that. Yeah, so. I remember
11: when I came in this morning. Yeah. Okay, I, and I could use that. The company
10: also makes anything. an excellent uh, um, fluoride-free toothpaste. It's called Spry, and they also make an oral rinse and uh, chewing gum and mints. And, by the way, I don't work for the company. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in it at all. I just know I've used their products, and they seem to work. All right, cool. excellent. Thank you, sir. And you might also try eating something healthy now and then.
4: Oh, that's just crazy talk right there. That's not science. Alright, thank you. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up?
10: Hi, I just wondered if you ever heard of the
7: movie Fido.
4: Yeah, uh, Sarah has seen Fido and liked it, and I keep uh, I, I keep meaning to rent it, uh, because it's like zombies as pets, which I find fantastic. Uh-huh. So, no, it's I haven't seen it, but Sarah loved it.
14: I had a weekend where I watched Risk Cutters, Fido, and Kenny. And if you've never seen Kenny, you should, because it's it's hilarious. How was wrist cutters? I've wanted impediment. to
4: see that. Did have flamenco dancing? What's that? Nothing. Go ahead. You, yes?
14: No, the Kenny guy, he's like a, a solid waste or a liquid waste disposal guy, and he's got a, a speech <laughs> impediment.
4: It's very funny. And wrist cutters. Excellent. Okay, I'll put them on my queue tonight, sir. You should. All right, thank you. All right, thank there you go. we are going to take a break. Yeah. Back after this, uh, we have, is this David Walker? I think David Walker's going to clarify the Pam Greer, uh, Gladiator film for us. Let's see. Uh, what else? We've got a couple other calls as well. So if you're on uh, hold, hang tight. Back after this, the Rick Everson radio program continues next. I wanna, I you, woman, this email says, Rick. <laughs> About Don Taylor, oh, and then it says Don Taylor, X, 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 in the subject line. Are those kisses
11: for Don Taylor? Kisses are like quadruple X's.
4: Uh, Rick, I I should tell you, he says that most of the South, and just Southeast Portland, apparently. Mm -hmm. I should tell you, Rick, that most of the Southeast Portland male population is in love with Don Taylor now. First, she either still does them, is okay with them, or does not mind her man doing cocaine or other drugs. Second, (laughs) says the emailer, she is all right with men beating on women in certain occasions. (laughs) Thirdly, she likes firing guns. Yes, the men in Southeast Portland are in love with her. Oh, I have
11: a feeling he's being sarcastic.
4: Oh, I, I, know. <laughs> I don't have that feeling at all, actually. Uh, not in any way. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend David Walker. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? How are you? Are you now You have uh, you have the, like the the clarification on this the, this movie I was remembering, which I guess I don't think it was called Gladiators. This Pam Greer thing.
9: No, it's the original title of The Arena but it's also known as Naked Warriors and Pam's co-star is Margaret Markov who also co-starred with her in Black Mama White Mama.
4: Ah, so they're so reuniting again so it's like the uh, so it's like the uh, it's like the Jerry and Dean of the yeah. uh, of the the hot lesbo action movie.
9: Exactly. And yes. it's those are the only two movies they did together. Um but uh yeah, they're, they're it's 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 uh it's tasty. It's a tasty movie.
4: <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer and thinking to myself it's like the erotic adventures of zorro like could the movie possibly be as good as the condensed distilled version that they've just given me in two minutes
9: no it's it's actually not as good as the condensed version except there's actual nudity mm. and so that's that's the good part
4: all right duly noted all right excellent yeah. thank you my friend yeah i'll see you later all right there you go david walker he will be joining us in the studio <laughs> and he wrote a
0: great review of uh uh Watchmen as well really mad as mofo yep
4: uh, that is bad as with disease uh, mofo dot com hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. We'll power through these calls here for the end of the uh, hour. What's up
9: hey, Rick it's uh Dave the spam winner to Vegas
4: yeah, the spam lot guy, yes, mm-hmm. hello, sir
9: hey, I got a great idea, and because you're a contest guy the uh on your drive home, I'm assuming to your southeast guy, and yes, we all love Don um Thank there's you a,
4: Thank
9: Not you. a problem hey there's a guy We're gonna take her
4: beating her later
9: and and we'll fire guns uh. But there's a guy that's holding a sign on just as you enter onto the Ross Island Bridge that says "Your ad here."
4: I haven't seen that really.
9: Yeah, he's uh, he's been there the last couple of days. Interesting, dude. You're missing an opportunity here. Why don't we have him ad for your
4: hey, station? There you go, and that's the drive time audience there. So hey, that's a that's a big uh, that's a big market. Excellent. Okay, I will. Uh, I might pull over and and stop and get to get his contact info at some point.
9: Well, I'm sure you can talk to his
4: people. Oh, he's in the book. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, there you go. All right, uh, hello, Don Taylor. How are you? What's up at the in film at film.com and in your world?
11: Uh. Um, not a lot of real I just, uh, I'm going to be, uh, also writing for Cinematical.com starting sometime soon. I just spent, uh, yesterday. I like that word, Cinematical. Cinematical. It flows. Uh, they are owned by AOL. So, uh, when they say, uh, well, the, we'll send you, we'll email you a pack, you know, an agreement to sign, just fax it back, and then you download it, and you're like, this is 18 pages of contracts yeah. to blog for Cinematical. But yeah, so I had to fax back, uh, a, a Uh, was it responsible blogger guidelines it was it was this 18 pages of stuff that was that AOL is uh,
4: is AOL well I'm sure there's nothing untoward in that contract and of course
11: course, like 75 different ways that they say oh and nothing you write for us actually belongs to you ever (laughs) well done so Uh,
4: by the way Andy the homeschool kid's uh, mom says hey I strongly suspect that Andy and some of his friends are going to yes a vegan strip club I don't know this for sure, she says, and I don't want to know. In this case, don't ask, don't tell applies. I should say, by the way, I am aware that this is really creepy. (laughs) And then she says blah, and then it's then it's no. over. All right. Well, we'll find out. Don Taylor, film Thank you so much for joining us. It is always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We love you, right. right. Uh Rick Emerson, Joe, produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah and for AM 970, the Talker in the Newsroom. Don Taylor on the phones. Richard Bristol, the Gatekeeper. Dave's in the web mistress. Bridget from upstairs, and of course CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan don't F with me Reynolds uh, and whatnot. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dave Schmidtke, ladies and gentlemen. See you tomorrow at ten. Bye now.
2: Black mama, white mama, they were free, but not from each other.